0: Hello, I'm Jeff Lester, and welcome to Wait, What?, a comics and pop culture podcast coming to you from the not-so-solitary fortress that is WaitWhatPodcast.com. This is episode 204, with Graham McMillan and I discussing all of the recent Marvel announcements from A to Re, as well as Midnighter, Marvel in the 80s and DC in the 90s, Transformers vs. G.I. Joe, Marvel Fanfare, Comicsology Unlimited, Dark Knight, A True Batman Story, KFC, the Colonel Corps, and believe me when I tell you so very much more in this two and a half hour Podstravaganza. Show notes are available at WaitWhatPodcast.com. We welcome your comments and questions at WaitWhatPodcast at gmail.com, and we invite you to look out for us on Twitter, Tumblr, and Patreon. As always, we hope you enjoy, and thank you for listening.
1: Jeff Lester.
0: Graham McMillan, hello. Yeah, here's
1: why I'm so confused. It's not actually showing up that you're talking to me, but I heard you.
0: <laughs> what? It's still saying that you're
1: calling me, but I heard you on the other line.
0: That's insane. Okay, that's that's great. That bodes well for uh, some, some like, telephone yeah. recording. Yeah. and go wrong now. And you sound crazy close, too, I have to say. <laughs> um... That dude? Yeah, I guess so. I guess I was just like, wow, he's very loud. He's he's right over my shoulder. So I um, I'm actually referring to this
1: from San Francisco. Uh, that would explain so much, I have to say. Ah, uh, Graham McMillan you know what this is? This is just the start of you can tell that at some point something's gonna go terribly wrong.
0: I know, right? Like as soon as you said that I was like, oh shit.
1: I think it's all going horribly, horribly wrong. <laughs> Hi! Hello! So, Uh, are you just back from your thing? Uh, yeah. I literally
0: just dashed in from the thing.
1: Funny story! So did I! (laughs) Really? I literally just turned the computer on, and it was like, Jeff's calling! Oh my gosh,
0: yeah. No, I I made it here with enough time to pour myself a glass of water. So, um, yes, and I feel like we have so much to talk about, so... Kind of nuts, right? Yeah, yeah. Where do you want to start? Do you want to start Uh, with the exciting world of comic news?
1: Sure. Do you have a, a particular direction you want to take that? No, no. Honestly, in fact i, I, I ha- see, when when you called, I, I half of me wants it to be like Riri Lesser. <laughs> I'm like Victor Von McMillan. Victor Von McMillan,
0: yeah. No, that's one that I think I only picked up by like following some of your tweets on Twitter. Like I just I, I've had I the day job was just
1: Oh, just it's it's slaughtering
0: I, I, me alive. I, so
1: you and I were emailing about this and actually I didn't even respond to your last email because yes. my yesterday was nuts. Oof. Like was that bad? And I was like, fuck it, I'm gonna to talk to him tonight. I'm gonna to talk to him tomorrow. Like last night I was like, I should respond, then I was like, no, I'm gonna to talk to him tomorrow. I'll just apologize then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um yeah, it's it's been crazy. So uh okay, so let, let's talk about the Iron Man thing, because I have I have not necessarily I have things to say, but I kinda of want to your opinion about this. Right. To give some context to you and to the listeners. Uh, Marvel announced on I think Tuesday that the as part of the Marvel Now relaunch, mm-hmm. there's going to be a new uh, Invincible Iron Man series, and the Invincible Iron Man in that series is going to be Riri Williams, a teenage girl. Mm-hmm. And Marvel did what Marvel does, which is milked the publicity mm-hmm. a lot for a look at our diversity, because that's that's what they do, mm-hmm. and I, I'm not even damning them for that like that's just part of their playbook now yeah what is surprising to me is that within the week they then on friday so three days after that announcement they went and we're also doing an infamous iron man book and it's victor van doom (laughs) which is crazy to me because it feels like they're stepping on their own publicity It's not, it's not uncommon for Marvel to say, and in fact, they did this with all the different Marvel, look at us, we're being so diverse, Spider-Man's Miles Morales, only joking, it's Peter Parker, we've got two of them, you guys. Yeah. And I feel that they did that with Iron Man, Mm -hmm. but so quickly that it was weird. Mm -hmm. Like within a week, they went from, look at us, we've got a black teenage girl as Iron Man, we are so fucking diverse, we're awesome. So would be like, and there's also an evil guy. Because remember, Superior Spider-Man. Actually, remember Superior Iron Man. Remember, we tried this before with Iron Man. That's right. Um, yeah, look, look, we're doing it now. We're doing it now, you guys. And it's Victor Von Doom. It just, I, I mean, for all the jokes that we did of all new, all different Marvel, and it's the same old Marvel. This is really weirdly reminiscent of you know, it, everything is heading. You know, all the the Marvel. Singularity, where they're redoing all their stuff, but they're doing it much faster. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. history is repeating, but also, like, doing so quickly. Yeah, it it
0: kind of makes you um, think, or it makes me think of those, uh, when they talk about the time dilations that happen at a collapsing star. That's what know? I'm saying.
1: That's what I mean by singularity. Like, it feels like everything is just rushing. Mm-hmm. Like, they're, they're, we're seeing, we're re-witnessing Marvel history of the last, like, what, four years, five years? Um, but at such an advanced rate.
0: Oh, man, it'd be so great if we could just get – like, it. this is where I wish we had, like, a video podcast because then we could just, like, show the various, like, quick edits of all the different, you know, Marvel uh, promo posters and intersperse it with crying Matthew McConaughey from uh, Interstellar. <laughs> I mean, just be the most fitting and appropriate oh, way.
1: Uh, hey, people who like editing videos. Uh, and you we know you're out there. Come on, <laughs> uh, you you owe it to the internet and so. <laughs> uh, but no, it's it's. I, I should we go through the other Marvel nine announcements then?
0: Please, because there's a good chance I don't know. Half okay,
1: of them. so it started uh, last Friday as we record mm-hmm. the uh, July 1st with US Avengers, which is essentially a relaunch of New Avengers. Mm-hmm. Uh, the lineup is Sunspot, Cannonball, Squirrel Girl, Pods, Red Hulk who's back, and a new Iron Patriot, mm-hmm. uh, and it looks it's Al Ewing is writing, great. and Paco Medina, who was Al Ewing's partner on Contest of Champions, which is now officially cancelled, um is is going to be illustrating. I'm really happy about this because a Al Ewing and Paco Medina is a great team. Mm-hmm. Contest of Champions is a, a book that's far more fun than it's any right to be, mm-hmm. um, but also. Uh, it's, it's the, it sees Paco Medina replacing uh, Geraldo Sandoval, mm-hmm. who was the artist on New Avengers and who just did not work for me. Like that book had so many good ideas and so much that I liked going on, and the art was just like, and I'm killing it for you! <laughs> I'm absolutely stomping on all your joy. Uh, so I'm really, it sounds terrible, but I'm really glad to see him off that book. Right. Of course, just wait, he'll be announced as, like, the new artist in Ultimates or something. And i would be like, oh, motherfucker. <laughs> um, so there was that. Then there was the new uh, Invincible Iron Man series, which is Bendis and someone, I can't remember, uh, not any of the current Iron Man artists. Uh, Bendis and a new artist uh, doing Riri Williams the, as a teenage replacement for Iron Man. hmm then there was, and I'm doing this without checking the internet, so I'm going to miss one, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, Champions was announced. Oh yes, yes. Yeah, which that. is, uh, Teenage Cyclops from All New X-Men. Mm-hmm. Uh, Viv, the Vision's daughter from Vision. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ms. Marvel, Nova, and, uh, Maz Morales from All New Avengers. Mm-hmm. And, uh, oh, Totally Awesome Hulk, Amadeus Cho. Yes, right. For forming a teenage super team, you guys. And that's, uh, by the well-known young hipster, uh, creative team of Mark Wade and Humberto Ramos. Well, did, come, I mean, to be fair,
0: I mean, Mar, Mark Wade just came off of Archie. You weren't, you weren't making those no, jokes I, about I, him then,
1: oh, were you? I, I actually was. Oh, okay. Well, that's fair as <laughs> fair. Um, but. Uh, I'm. I have. I feel. I. I feel really bad about that series. I have a really bad feeling about Champions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, in large part because of the the interview Wade did with. I think it was Entertainment Weekly. Mm. Um, because it is being positioned as the kids. The kids are going to save us. This new generation. Like the, everything's different for them. But what made me cringe was Wade didn't say them. He said us. And I like Everything's different for us? Yeah, he was talking about like how this generation has learned from and his 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 uh his guide for like I looked at so and so to inspire me. And again he's talking about, you know, millennials for what a better way of putting it. Right. Uh and he was like, I look at Mark Zuckerberg as proof that things are different for us. And I was like, first of all, us, you're fifty four years old. Yes. And secondly, Mark Zuckerberg? Like that's really who you're pointing to? Yeah. Yeah, right. Uh, which just made me go, oh shit. Like yeah. I totally know where he's going, but it feels like he's reciting marketing copy that someone has given him mm-hmm. as to so actually understanding the theoretical idea of the book. So yeah, that makes me super nervous. Um, anyway, so there's that. There's also, I'm trying to think what else has been announced. Um, there's the other Iron Man book infamous Iron Man which is Doctor Doom and that's Bendis and Alex Maleev just literally falling over from International Iron Man Mm -hmm. there's a new Ms. Marvel series with Margaret Stoll the YA author Mm -hmm. uh, writing and I'm not even sure they announced an art team on it the cover's by Dave Johnson that's all I remember Mm -hmm. Um, and that's basically not that they gave away the ending of Civil War 2 or anything but they're like now that she's the most famous superhero on Earth (laughs) I was like, okay, so she wins because Tony Stark is apparently absent and Captain Marvel is now beloved by everyone. Okay, sure. I wonder how Civil War II ends. Right. Um, there's other – I'm going to have to look up what the other announcements are. Uh, I'll go to CBR. CBR will have them all summer, I'm sure. Mm. Uh, but, yeah, they're, they're, there's been a raft of them. They, they did it a bunch. And also they're weirdly spaced out. Uh the 'cause they announced a lot in this past week. More mm-hmm. more than one a day. Which, which is the thing that was particularly surprising.
2: Huh.
1: Uh as if I mean part of it is when this episode comes out, mm-hmm. the Marvel Now catalogue comes out the next day. Mm. And it seems to be that they're rushing to try and beat that catalogue. Right. Which feels very strange considering like they could have set their own timing, you know? Well, why why does it feel they're rushing so much? Marvel! There there is an artist for Captain Marvel. It's Ramon Rosanas. Ah. Oh, uh, Genndy Tarkovsky's Cage is finally coming out. Oh. The guy who did Samurai Jack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His Cage, which was announced nine years ago. Wow. Uh, finally coming out. Hmm. So, you know, great, I guess. (laughs) Oh, there's Unworthy (laughs) Thor. Unworthy Thor? Which is old Thor. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh Jason Aaron and uh Olivier Coipel,
2: hmm.
1: uh, and Death of X was announced. Which is what happened in the eight-month gap between Secret Wars and All New, All Different Marvel to make the mutants and the humans hate each other, and what killed Cyclops. It is that certain? I see.
2: Interesting.
0: Interesting. Well, that's a lot I, of like-
1: announcements. Yeah. Which came out, like out over a four day period mm-hm well, it weirdly rushed to me
0: do you think that maybe they were trying to like they they got news that you know like let's say Marvel's a big fan of of competing with d c maybe they thought that d c was going to have some found out that there was going to be some big announcements that was going to be coming out at the same time as the Marvel Now catalog, and they were like well re- rather than risk being overshadowed, we're just going to try and
1: no, I think beat them just tried trying- – no, it it really just struck me as like they were like, oh, these are the stories we want to get out. Because mm. also they were all parcelled to individual outlets. Mm. Like none of these were wide releases, mm-hmm. uh, and I think they were just like, oh shit, we should have started this sooner. Because <laughs> <laughs> it seems really weird that you have like multiple out, you know, like multiple stories, multiple relaunches, um, appearing on the same day. It really feels like each one is stepping on each other's news. Well, yeah, they they started off daily, and then as the week went on, it's like, okay, two stories today, and then Friday, I think it was three. Yeah, but isn't that sort of common during convention season?
0: Like, aren't they just? You don't think they're trying to, to do um, convention? Basically, the the idea of trying to get that sort of con schedule excitement without having to compete with other uh, titles at
1: con. Maybe. I mean, Marvel has, for the last few years, done other announcements pre-con. Mm-hmm. So, so this is not unusual. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just, again, they normally pace them better. Mm. Like, this, the, thing, the thing that's different this year is that they seem really weirdly paced, the announcements. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, to be honest, the announcements are fairly underwhelming. Mm-hmm. Like, Champions is surprising. Like, Captain Marvel relaunch isn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess Iron Man being replaced is surprising. But, you know... It goes from you have two Iron Man books to you to have two Iron Man books. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's weird. I've not seen anything that has people really genuinely excited yet. The closest I think has been Champions.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Which is odd because I feel that like Marvel normally goes with, like, something that will have people excited.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, and, and I've not – maybe I'm looking in the wrong places. But I've not seen people genuinely get, get psyched about any of this stuff. Well, uh,
0: you know, I feel because we had that skip week the other week, so in a way we can go a little farther back. I, I feel the stuff about Riri as the new Iron Man seemed seemed like big news in the at least in the corner of the Twitter sphere that I sort of follow.
1: You know? Yeah, but uh big news in what way? Because I feel like I saw more people complaining about it than I saw people actually excited about it. It felt like there was an initial wave of great we've got a black iron man which like almost immediately turned to but she's being written by Bendis mm-hmm. which then turned into the Marvel has never had a black female writer ever yeah conversation mm-hmm. which still is staggering to me yeah yeah, like yeah, yeah. Every, not even because at first it was Marvel's never had a black female writer in an ongoing series mm-hmm. and then people were like hey there's never been one in a miniseries either and then uh, Kennedy and I we could not work out one who has ever written for Marvel. Right. Now, just like, out we, of curiosity. Anthologies. Like, I was looking back at girl comics. Mm-hmm. I was looking back at all the anthologies. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't find one.
0: So so who's, who's the black female writer who's written for DC?
1: Uh, Felicia Henderson wrote uh. Uh, Teen Titans for a while. Okay. And there's another whose name I've forgotten. But again... Like, two in the history of TC. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: No, I mean, that's, that's appalling, but it still beats zero, which zero really is like.
1: I mean, zero is genuinely stunning, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, really, especially because again, Felicia Henson wrote uh, Teen Titans as an ongoing book. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she also wrote, a, I think, a static special, mm-hmm. maybe. Um, and there was another person who wrote the ongoing book, and I'm, sh- and no one thought to check, uh, like one offs or, or miniseries or anything for DC. Right. So there may be more. If nothing else, I think the existence of Milestone probably means there's more. Yes. Um, but, but Marvel having none, Marvel having zero is amazing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Especially because it is the company that's like, look at us being diverse. And every time they do that with their characters, which they do, it's, it's one of their shticks. Mm-hmm. You, like, there's always a reminder of like, oh, but your creator base isn't that diverse. Right. Right. And, and to their. As, there was a point just two years ago, mm-hmm. three years ago, where Marvel had zero women working for them in creative site. Right. Right. Zero. No. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, it, it was bad. I, the thing that I think is kind of interesting about Marvel, and I'm not saying that this is a good or bad thing, but I am fascinated by the, the extent to which they, sort of have changed up their game i suppose you know i was I, I mean even if it's for the most even if it somehow seems wildly insincere i am like well they got some creators of color i'm very happy that david walker is like writing you know power man and iron fist i i am happy that there are a few more people of color there, there, and it's it, and part of me is like, well, so if it takes, if it takes if them trying to, them into it, yeah, yeah, but so I'm no, like, no, but, but that's, that's just
1: it, like, yeah, I, I, I'm fine, shaving them into it as long as the end result happens. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like that, exactly, that's, yeah, that's that's fine. And I think honestly, I think that's why Marvel has so many female creators working for it now. Yes, Agreed. because at yeah. some point people were like, you have no woman working for you yeah. right now. Yeah, and, and I mean, and okay. then they, they, you know, great, they bring in a lot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. Which I'm like, okay, that's if that's he, what it takes, and that's what it that's takes. That's what it takes, exactly. And, yeah. yeah. And I actually, I think this really will happen now. I think Marvel's going to do something really soon because I saw Marvel editors on Twitter basically be like, okay, who are good black female writers? Yes, I saw Which that. Sounds like I mean, even if it's damage control, fuck it, it's still the right mm-hmm. thing to do. Agreed, agreed. I kind of thought that that I'm like, okay, that's fine
0: with me if that's. If they're if they're actually going to try and uh, address the criticism, I mean, you know that that's sort of overstating it because you know Marvel always
1: spins it in a.
0: Ha ha! No, you guys don't know what you're talking about. You're just making oh, difficulties.
1: Yeah, no, you know, you know of... that like while it's damage control in like six months, you're going to get right. You know, I had a self-congratulatory interview with Axel Alonso and Santa Aminat where they're like, "We were thinking one day, unrelated to anything, yeah, it, it was time that we should make the bold move of inviting a black woman to write for Marvel." Yeah, yeah like you, you can just see that coming. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I'll, yeah, right, will, I'll take it. I'll make fun of it, but I'll take it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, I, I talking about David Walker. I, the thing that makes me happiest about David Walker at Marvel. Is that I feel that he's getting some, some backing on Nighthawk at least. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I feel that Power Man and Iron Fist has kind of just been like abandoned mm-hmm. by the purpose that be. I don't see anyone talking about it mm-hmm. uh, from Marvel anymore.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But I feel that Nighthawk is actually getting some, some purchase there. And I, that makes me happy because I don't know what happened with him at DC, but his run at Cyborg lasted, what, seven issues?
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Then he's replaced by Marv Wolfman, who, on the one hand, Marv Wolfman created the character, sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, the optics of that are kind of terrible. You know? And and then, for Cyborg to be relaunched with, I think, who, oh, what's the name of the, the, John Sample? Eric Sample? Whoever, whoever is, is, is writing the, the rebirth, uh, relaunch. Again, just feels like DC is somewhat ineptly going, Cyborg is the book that we let a black guy write. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and it's like, oh, shit, you guys. Seriously.
0: So, uh Graham, I have to say, I'm not following Iron Man at all,
1: but... Uh, those, those you're, you're, I, He's been in it for a while. Uh, okay, good. Victor, Victor Von Doom has been in it since the start of the run. Right. So this is definitely coming out of things that he's been working on. Mm-hmm. Uh... I Part of me, as a reader, is a little concerned that the promises or the, the teases that has made when starting his book, which, again, is less than a year old, mm-hmm. are going to be truncated or abandoned in order to, for this new relaunch to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, namely, when he relaunched, he, he was like, uh, Gillen left the, the character in a great place. He knows he's adopted. He doesn't know who his birth parents are. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be a driving force of my run. Mm-hmm. And then when they announced International Iron Man, he was like, Gillen left the character in a great place. He knows he's adopted. He doesn't know who his parents are. And that's going to be the purpose of this book. Mm-hmm. And now here you are just a few months later. And he's like, Riri is Iron Man and so is Doctor Doom. Yes, but they've I, both I been know, adopted
0: and they don't no, no, know who he, their real parents are.
1: But he's, he's like, you know, Tony Stark is missing. <laughs> and part of me like, wait, does this mean you're actually wrapping up who Tony Stark's parents are? Or are you not like is Tony Stark just going to disappear as a result of Civil War II? and that thing that you said was the point of both of the books
2: mm-hmm.
1: is not going to happen
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, because I that's that's what I strongly suspect is going to be the case, mm. and that that's you know that that's a problem. Uh, I should not be surprised at that sort of thing, mm-hmm. but. I think I said this on Twitter and I might even have said it in email to you. One of the things that the Captain America is Hydra thing has really laid out, not in a surprising way because I knew this, but has made all the more obvious, Mm -hmm. is that Marvel creators and Marvel editorial will literally say whatever they want Mm -hmm. bears no relation to reality Mm -hmm. um, in order to... Sell a book. I feel they're much more shameless than any other company in that respect. Yeah, it's what? kind of interesting. I do
0: remember. I mean, uh, this is this is the the ignorance is bliss side of our podcast talking. But I remember, for example, when we were reading fair itself and reading those just horrific uh,
1: posts. Yeah, the the interviews was it with newsorama Yeah, I think it, it, was. it was, was. It was Tom Brevert and Matt Fraction, and they were just like it was amazing. Yeah. It was it was jaw dropping. Yeah, but I, I feel in a weird way I feel the Captain America thing is worse because and this is going to sound terrible, fear itself was just Newsorama. Mm-hmm. When the Captain America thing broke, you had Nick Spencer and Tom Brevert talking to quote unquote the mainstream press. Mm-hmm. And saying, nope, this is forever. This is real. This isn't a trick. Like, it's not brainwashing. There's no, there's nothing weird going on here. He's always been Hydra. This is it. Like, would, would we lie to you? And the very next issue. Yeah. Like, you know what happened, right? I don't, I wouldn't be spoiling anything if I explained it, would I?
0: No, no, no. Go ahead. Hopefully listeners are aware of it as well. So
1: the very next issue is literally a monologue by the red skull Mm -hmm. going, I've got me a Cosmic Cube. I went back and changed his past. <laughs> T- again, technically, they didn't lie. Mm-hmm. Because you've changed the past, sure, this is who Captain America is now. And it's not technically br- mind control.
0: Right. It's not a hoax or an imaginary story. But we did not mention a dream or uh, yeah. someone suffering from the DTs. So, and,
1: I I, and the other thing is that even in issue two... There is, there, there are multiple, here's how we get out of it.
2: Mm-hmm. Like,
1: almost neon signs. Here's how we get out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for them to give interviews after that issue has come out and say, well, we weren't lying to you before. This is definitely the real Captain America, and this is going to last forever. <laughs> You know, the, I, 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 I'm being physician. They didn't say forever. But it's just, I know you didn't, but that's like, what I years. love. It's just. But they're saying so like good. you know it's going to last for years, mm-hmm. and I'd literally like in the story there is the most hilariously glaring. Here's how it all gets undone. You're right, like right. right there, right there in the story. Um, it's simultaneously hilariously ballsy and because they are so eager to just say whatever sells, mm-hmm. feels particularly more disdainful of the customers than anyone else in comics. Mm-hmm. You know, and it, it's it's really weird. It's really strange because you have this, this strange moment where Marvel does. Marvel can't announce anything without patting itself in its back. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. That's what PR is for.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, it would be... Weird and arguably wrong for any company to say we're doing this comic. It's okay. <laughs> you know, we're doing this story. It's a bit of a stunt.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like
1: I feel like I feel honestly, if that was the PR, if that was someone, a PR person's decision, you'd fire that PR person. That's a terrible idea. Right. Right.
0: Unless you're doing a humor book or something like that. Sure. Yeah, which is uh, the the sort of thing that they do with Deadpool or Ambush Bug or whatever. All the time. Actually,
1: I, I, I uh, I've been reading Not Brand which oh. has cover. Who says a comic book has to be good? Um, but, uh, you know, you see things like the Riri story, mm-hmm. and, and you see Bendis say things which are common sense, which is you know basically. It's about time you have, you know, a black character who is not quote unquote the black character Mm
2: -hmm. and
1: is just like the smart character who gets shit done. And because everything else Marvel does, like, I honestly look at it and I'm like, you're going to fuck this character up at some point.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. You're going to stick her back in a box at some point. Tony Stark's going to come back and you're going to be like, that's great. You can be my sidekick. Right. And it's just... You could be War Machine and then in Civil well, War every, 3 like, when you everyone, die... Everyone expected her to be War Machine. Mm-hmm. Because she appeared like just before this uh, first issue of Civil War 2 came out. Mm-hmm. And I don't think anyone was being overly cynical when they were like, oh, Bendis has created himself a replacement War Machine. Mm-hmm. To, to get around the backlash for killing off War Machine.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So, it you know, it's kind of surprising she's Iron Man. But... I almost feel it's worse because she is Iron Man. Because she's clearly not going to stay Iron Man. Even if they hadn't also said, oh, and Dr. Doom's also Iron Man. Right. Riiwi is never going to stay Iron Man. And so there's something, I don't know, it just, it leaves a bad taste in my mouth.
0: Yeah, to me, it's just, it's, it, honestly, for me, it's just the the fucked up nature of black creators can only seem to write black characters, but like old white dudes get to write everyone. You know? Okay. That's but always annoying.
1: So, yeah, here's something, because there was a lot of pushback about that. Mm-hmm. And I feel it's weirdly I feel it's very strange. Because without Bendish you wouldn't have Riri. Like the character wouldn't exist. hmm This isn't a character that Marble were like, okay, we're creating a black Iron Man, who's best to write it? Ben has created her for the Iron Man book he's writing, and then he makes the decision to kill off Stark. Mm-hmm. So he's the one that created this. So the idea of like, well, it shouldn't be a white guy, sure, but without the white guy, the character wouldn't exist. So do you take the partial win, or do you say, well, now that he's created her, he has to leave the book,
2: mm-hmm.
1: or, or like, where, you know, where's, where's the line? It, it should not be a line. I, f- I, I find there's something about the, the. Like, Riri's great, but Bendis' terrible argument that I find really, uh, flawed. The, I, I will take your word for it.
0: I was actually more annoyed by this idea that David Walker isn't writing Thor. You know? Sure. And yeah. that's, that's the part why, that bothers
1: why is, me. Why is he writing Power Man and why is he writing Nighthawk? Yeah, exactly. i writing, you know, whatever. I was going yeah. to say Nick Fury and then I was like, oh, wait. It's not the old Nick Fury. That's why I can't read old Marvel comics this week. Right. You know,
0: yeah, exactly. Get confused. But it's true. It's like, oh yeah, David Walker, whatever, whatever black character you want to, you want to pitch of Marvel's, go for it. Or even Samoan, what the heck? You know? And I just, that, that just really, um, that's the part that really grates. You know? I, I, the rest of it, I'm, I, I mean, honestly, I'm not sure I really trust any sort of creation story uh, that comes out of Marvel because I do feel that so much of this stuff is so, of you know, like event-driven and, you know, driven oh, by marketing no. and sales and things.
1: But I, I honestly think that uh, – mm-hmm. I, I I, 100% believe that Bendis is behind Riri because okay. I, think, I think that if Marvel editorial created Riri, mm-hmm. she would either – like her book would either be written by a woman or by a black man. Mm-hmm. I I just think that's the way Marvel works now. Hmm. Could be. I, I I think if it was not Bendis doing the the running, mm-hmm. that that Bendis wouldn't be in the book.
2: Hmm.
1: Interesting. Because I think honestly, Marvel is a cynical, b smarter than mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. than like to create her in a, in the in the room mm-hmm. and then go and you are the best person to write this, Brian Bendis. <laughs> I, I I I think that I think that's just a move they wouldn't make. Hmm. Who knows? We weren't in the room where it happens, Jeff. It's
0: true we don't, because because I'm like I see your point, but of course part of me is also like, we're if they come up with the the plan to like kill off roadie and then you know bring in a new character of color as as the new Iron Man. You know immediately thereafter there's to me there's just kind of that idea of like I don't think that they would turn around and be like, "Okay, Brian, so you got to leave the book, you know so oh I could talk.
1: it's it's a like relaunch that's when you always throw creators of books well yeah that no, it, used it, it to be, that
0: used to be the case. I don't feel that that's the perception of we both know that Marvel is very spotty has gotten. That's less the idea behind their line-wide reboots each time.
1: Your line-wide reboots for Marvel now are literally, what's that? It's September? Sure. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like, let's push out some new
0: publicity. But it's, you know, as people pointed out, it's the exact same creative
1: teams in many ways. So, I don't know. It annoys me more on things like Jason Aaron's Thor. Or he's clearly telling the same story. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Or when when the Marvel relaunched Daredevil with Wade and Samny. right? And I was like, "You're still telling the same story. Yeah. This does not need a relaunch for any other reason other than yeah, trying to bump the sales." sales. Mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah, completely. But, but like a, you know, on on the Iron Man ones, sure, it's technically you know a major status quo change. You know, the other but part is yeah. is I the the Victor,
0: the old school fanboy that I am, is like, yeah, yeah, all this other stuff with you know characters and colors. I just the idea of Doctor Doom as Iron Man
1: seems really stupid to me. But that's
0: you know, it's just me.
1: You well, know? you obviously haven't been reading any of Ben's Iron Man. Absolutely not. I'm not even saying that in like a well, Jeff, if if you were reading that, you'd know. Yeah. Um But it's uh, it's Iron Man. Uh, uh, Doom's different now. He's mm-hmm. He's been made pretty at the end of secret wars and he's trying to be a good guy or is he? Uh And so it's, it's that bullshit. <laughs> right. It's that <laughs> like, bullshit to, to be honest, especially because, you know, you've taken away his visual signifier. Mm-hmm. bence never wrote Dr. Doom the way anyone wrote Dr. Doom oh, before. Oh, like yeah. he's Dr. Doom in name, in name only. Exactly. Point. Exactly.
0: And I think that's, that would be the thing that that's sort of why it doesn't bother me. Uh, you know, because it's kind of, you know, not my Doctor Doom, but but of course it's not. It it really has not been for a significant period of time uh, under under the current regime of Marvel and I'm like, "Oh, eh, that's okay. It seems to it seems to work for people, you know. It just really doesn't work for me." But the idea of hearing them, you know, just reading it, I'm like, it, it simply by knowing what those words mean, it somehow renders them meaningless. You know, it's some sort of logical paradox or something. I just, I don't, I'm always confused by that. So,
1: you know, <laughs> okay. So of the books I listed, did any of them sound interesting to you? Like, were you like, Oh, I want to read that book. Uh, you know,
0: honestly, I'm the, I could see the, the only one that I think I previously knew about was, uh, was Champions and I had that response of, oh, I want to, I want to read this. And then I saw that Mark Wade was on it and I'm like, I kind of don't.
1: (laughs) Can I tell you the weird thing about Champions that like really didn't piss me off, but I was just like, oh, why did you do that? Mm. The inclusion of Viv on the team. Oh yeah. Right. I was honestly like, I feel like you've just like ruined Vision. Mm -hmm. And I told you before, I'm reading Vision and Trades. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. But I still was like, I feel like even just seeing she's around afterwards Mm -hmm. somehow ruins that book. Right. Right.
0: I don't know. You know, I, I, I sort of get that, but I, I, I'm very, it's very easy for me to still kind of wall off continuity, you know, like part of me is like, I don't know. It's like. Maybe it's Viv 2.0. I, I, all I know is, weirdly enough, seeing that character uh, on the cover or the promo art or whatever with, like, the one sock slipping down or something, I was like, oh, I have, like, this weird, like, oh, I have a fondness for this character. I really – you kind of can take this character out of the context. And, you know, and it's just one of those weird, like, just something that's the inherent in the design of the character, I guess, weirdly enough. Uh, that I was like, oh, oh, that's kind of great. But I get it. I also get it. At the same time, there's part of me that's just sort of, I don't know, you know. Part of me's like, oh, hey, great! It's there's going to be a uh, there's going to be like a Teen Titans version finally of the sure. Avengers. I've you know? never
1: done that before, He's right? Exactly. We call it Young Avengers, He's right?
0: And that and that's exactly or and,
1: Avengers Academy right. or Avengers Arena. Or what was the other one? Undercover Avengers? Avengers Undercover? I honestly don't remember. <laughs> um, I, no, but it, it's just... I, whatever. Well, and I, I think I just... that's it.
0: Watching what happened to young Avengers, I think, is to me also very instructive of... kind of that... just that idea of like, oh, right, I, I don't really have my hopes up. Because there's two choices. You know, Wade walks in there and... Kind of fakes it until he makes it, and then he doesn't make it, and the book just kind of dies a squalid death, or you know, or they turn around and give it to someone that they think really has the chops enough to do it uh, in in the next iteration. Or, I, you know, for me, I I feel like the stuff that I really did enjoy about Young Avengers, like I then sort of got to watch it. I mean, I didn't follow the book closely enough, but it just seemed like. All those bits and pieces, it was more, it was just all sort of broken apart and kicked around. And, you know, until you had someone like Karen Gillen be, you know, into it enough to, to collect the pieces and, 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 you know, polish them I, up a little bit.
1: And even then, Gillen and McKelvey left Young Avengers in a great place. Mm-hmm. And they just languished for what, a year before Al Ewing's like, okay, I'll, I'll take a couple of these characters right. from my Right. It's the weirdest thing. Mm hmm. Cause Young Avengers, uh, the first series at least, mm-hmm. and the second series in terms of the, uh, I'm talking about the Children's Crusade Al- or whatever. Yeah, no, no, Alan, Alan Heinberg, is that his name? Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Alan Heinberg, uh, Jim Chung series, mm-hmm. the first one, and then the Gill and McKelvey series, mm-hmm. um, were critically acclaimed, sold well, had genuine buzz, ended, and seemingly went nowhere. Right. For, and it's, it's really strange. Mm-hmm. They're like two separate attempts at the same concept were successful and still somehow vanished without trace. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so Champions is just, y- you know what Champions actually really reminded me of? Mm. Um, A-Force. Mm. Right. In the, I feel that Marvel is, uh, Franchising the Avengers sounds like the wrong thing to say because the Avengers has been a franchise for a while. But trying to like demographically split the Avengers. Mm-hmm. Like we've, we've given you the woman Avengers. Now we're giving you the millennial Avengers. Millennial Avengers. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, and, and they're like, okay, this, this is what the kids want, right? And A Force is a, like it's, it's a, it's a good book. It's a perfectly serviceable book. Mm-hmm. It's a book that has real creative team problems.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, ben Caldwell, I think, is off the book after three issues, which is amazing. Wow. Right? I mean, that's genuinely, like, impressively short run. Yeah. Um, but, but it, again, it feels like it's, 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 it's created for the announcement. It's created for the backslapping of look how diverse we are. And then gets no support after that. It's a sink and swim. And, you know, Champions for me just has exactly the same. Yeah. Air about it. Yeah, to me too. That I mean, that's part of why the Mark it's Wade street, writing it kind leg. of, you know. Well, think about it. G. Willow Wilson, uh, launched A-Force. Mm-hmm. Both in the, um, Secret Wars incarnation and then the all new different incarnation. Mm-hmm. And she was off the book by the fifth issue of the all new different version. And so I would not be surprised if Wade is off champions within half a year.
0: Yeah, maybe.
1: But then who who does it go to? Right, right. Hilariously, know, I, I was just like going to say Chip Zdarsky. And then I was like, actually, he could make that book work. <laughs> he could. I'd much rather read his. Uh, oh, yeah, copy, absolutely. Right, mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, or Ryan North, for that matter. Get a good
1: old Ryan North in there. You know who I'd really want on it, seriously? Mm. John Allison. Ah, of course you would. Between Giant Days Mm -hmm. and and, uh, Scare-Go-Round? Sure. I would love to read him do Millennial Avengers. (laughs) That would be fucking hilarious. Um, I don't know. It's like, US Avengers sounds fun. Mm -hmm. Uh, But that's about it. (laughs) And I feel sad. Like, I feel like I should be looking at these books at least going, oh, that's interesting. As opposed to that'll last a year. But that's just, especially with the frequency of Marvel's relaunches. Right. That's just how I feel now. Because let's face it, the fact that Champions exists means, means that all new, all different Avengers is probably going to end before that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: That book will have lasted a year. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. It, 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 Invincible Iron Man the, the Bendis Marquez series mm-hmm. was stated as the flagship book for Marvel. Yeah. And it will only last a year. Right. That's well, just amazing.
2: Yeah,
0: I I think I mean it's again, there's just this thing of Marvel is uh Marvel's flailing and but Marvel I mean, in a weird way. You know, like D C is clearly was a lot more it was a lot more obvious to everyone. And I feel like, you know, right before rebirth, they were as about as upfront about
1: it as they were going to get,
0: I suppose, you know, but Marvel is
1: promo for rebirth was as close to them saying, we literally didn't know what we were doing and we're trying to raid the ship. Exactly. As as you can do without coming out and saying it that bluntly.
0: Yeah, exactly. But it, it really was, it was, it was fascinating in, in all the, all the code, all the coded language about it. Marvel's just very much that, like, oh, no, everything's fine. You know, crashing sounds in the background. Everything's great. Yeah. Oh, my God. We got so much stuff planned. You know, like, well, when you're having d- that d-
1: discussion. Just, yeah. But does this not remind you of the DCU launches? No, that's not true. Not the launches. The DCU publicity. Which what? is very much like, okay, we're moving forward. <laughs>
0: You know, the thing about the DCU publicity is is that had a whole ton of shit that I was
1: like, oh, I want to read this or I want to give this a try. The books were good. Actually, one of the the best things I've read in the last couple of weeks was I finally got around to reading the first collection, Midnighter, which I only read the first three issues of and then it dropped off. And that's amazing. I mean, that's to the point where when the villain reveal happens in the sixth issue, Uh I was cheered. Really? Yeah. Because it makes so much sense, and because it's a character I like so much, who is almost never used, mm. and I was just like, "Oh, that's amazing!" <laughs> Using that guy for this story is inspired. Is je- and also they do the way it's done is. Have you read this book? Should I spoil this book? Go go ahead. I've read a few issues and quite liked it, and they okay. Are so up the trace, uh, if but... you read if you're reading the the, the trade. There's multiple plots going on at once. One of them is someone has stolen all the technology from the God Garden, Mm -hmm. which is the place created Midnighter, and Midnighter is tasked with tracking it down. Right at the same time, you have Midnighter trying to recover from his split with Apollo, and he's getting together with a a new guy called Matt. Mm -hmm. Right in the, I think it's the fifth issue, uh, Matt's dad is attacked. And they go to to save Matt's dad, Mm -hmm. and Midnighter's like something's something weird is going on, and then it's like shit. It's your dad. Your dad is the villain, (laughs) and Matt's like, no, it's me, and I'm Prometheus.
0: Ah, very nice.
1: And then just spends like the second issue going, oh, by the way, like I I've been around you so much that I fucked up your computer brain, and you have no idea what I'm going to do. And it's just really nicely done. But Prometheus is just a great choice for a villain. Yes. Because, because he is, as much as he is like, you know, the anti Batman when Morrison created him, because Midnighter is also a Batman analog. Yes. He works really well as an anti Midnighter.
0: Mm
2: hmm. Mm hmm.
0: It's, it's a genius idea. Plus, he's Prometheus. He stole things from the gods. Like. Yeah. Yeah. Right? I you know.
1: It's, it's really genuinely, it, you, when it happened, when the reveal happens, you're like, oh, that's really fucking smart. Right, right. Wow, that's I nice. I did it really well. And it's mm-hmm. just, so you simultaneously have this book that uh, looks wonderful. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- all through, there's, there's actually multiple artists on it, which is a bit of a shame. But all through, there is an aesthetic that is very clear. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it also just works as a super smart superhero book. So it, aesthetically, it feels like it's, you know, next level. Mm-hmm. But it also just has the basics of being like, oh, I've I've done this old story that you that you've read a million times, mm-hmm. and I did it so well you didn't even realize I was doing the story to the reveal. Right, right.
0: Yeah, that's like the wool
1: right. over your ha- eyes so much that you didn't even realize I was doing the story. And then when I do it, your first thought isn't, oh, that's cheap. Your first thought is, oh, that's really good. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's sorry, it it was just great. So yeah, the DCU. Launch has had a lot of, had, had really some great books in there. Mm-hmm. Black Canary also is amazingly good.
0: Mm-hmm. If you're
1: you. you uh, I didn't read, like it. I read two read, issues of it. I did not like trade. Black Canary at all. Read the trade. Cause again, that's a book I dropped off in singles and then mm-hmm. I read the trade. And it's the final issue of the trade mm-hmm. where I was like, Oh, it all paid off. Mm. Um, but that's actually a structural problem in a lot of DCU books, I think, mm-hmm. where you either buy in and start. Or you get the trade, right? Because there's not enough per issue to make you go, oh, I think I'm going to stick around, you know? Because because that's true. I, I liked Midnighter, but I didn't like it enough to stick around. Mm-hmm. I liked Black Canary, but I didn't like it enough to stick around. And it's only because like the trade came out, and then I was like, I'm in the library. There's the trade, mm-hmm. and then I read them, and I'm like, oh fuck, this is great. <laughs> this isn't just good. This is really fucking great. Mm-hmm. Um, but but on a single by single uh, issue basis, you are like, eh, I think I like this. Right. Um, but no, the, the, the launch for DCU, I feel, was very much like, you guys, we're moving forward! <laughs> okay, it's, 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 it, you know, it's great! And, and, I think I've said this before, but I think the real problem with DCU is, they they went too far.
2: hmm
1: That you don't have a, you know, we're moving forward with everyone. You do a, we're doing Midnighter, but it's okay, you can also get, like, traditional superhero series in Green Lantern. Mm-hmm. You know, we have something for these books to be a reaction to as opposed to all your books have gone crazy. Like here's Aquaman and now he's got stubble and he's on the run from Atlantis and it's a terrorist story. No. (laughs) What the fuck? No, that's not an Aquaman comic. Oh, my God. I had no idea. Here's Green Lantern. Now he's got long hair and he's on the run from the authorities because he's pretending to be a bad guy. Come on. And he's not got a magic wishing ring anymore either. And you're like, this is literally not Green Lantern. (laughs) Let's, like, sure, this is an interesting story, but this is not Green Lantern. For
0: the love of fucking God. Okay, let's, let's roll it back just a little bit, Graham. Cause yeah. I have to say that the idea of Aquaman being like the born identity, but underwater, is the He's best. He's not idea.
1: underwater though, Jess. Is, That's the
2: thing.
0: No, 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 let's... I in my world he's underwater and the best part is he's being chased through city streets and then he gets to do that born like parkour thing where he's like running <laughs> over buildings but then when he jumps between the rooftops he's kinda like swimming the breaststroke over to the other one and then they're kinda like they're jumping after him and then they have to like dog paddle over to the other side. It's it's whoever like clearly, clearly the the editor refined the brilliance of that idea out of existence. If they put Aquaman on land running from a bunch of Atlanteans, but, uh, you know, but born identity underwater. Oh, Oh, I'm in fact, if you'll excuse me, I believe
1: I have some fanfic to write right now. (laughs) Um, you're, you're not reading the DC rebirth books, right? Uh,
0: you know, it's funny you mentioned that because I have been pretty terrible at getting to the comic book store. Uh, and I walked out of there just literally, I won't say yesterday, but in fact it was Thursday, with the first two issues of Batman Rebirth and the first two issues of Future Quest, which are not a Rebirth uh, type thing. And I remember thinking at the time, I was like, oh, there should be some other Rebirth stuff. that I, I would have picked up uh, Wonder Woman if were it were not for your uh,
1: your warnings, I suppose. Exactly, bye. I don't know. And um, the reason I'm asking is Aquaman Rebirth. Uh, I I said, I think, in in one of my earlier reviews that, like, I'm on board. Uh, The second issue of the the new series, I'm very on board because it looks like it was going to zig at the end of the first issue. And it zagged in a a way that just made me go, oh, thank fuck someone's finally done the story. Mm. Which is, so the first issue ends with, I am Black Manta and I want revenge because you killed my dad and I'm going to kill Mira. The end. Right. And issue two is literally the t- uh, Aquaman and Black Manta fighting, and it comes down to Aquaman being like, "This is ridiculous. This is idiotic. Killing me isn't going to bring your dad back. Kill me if you want, but it's never going to satisfy you." And Black Manta's like, "You're right," and that's the story. Huh. And it finally fucking ends the "I want revenge for my father" thing. <laughs> it finally gets has someone going. This is terrible. Like this, this revenge is is. Utterly pointless. It's it's the Black Panther story from Civil War. The like revenge is hollow, and you have to pass it plot. And I'm so fucking glad because Black Manta, as a comic character at least really has been defined by is Echo man around? He's dead. Okay, I'll go and join the Suicide Squad. Is he back? I must kill him. <laughs> and that's it. That's all he does. To <laughs> <laughs> the point where. In Brightest Day, which, again, we're going back a few years now, Black Manta is reintroduced in Brightest Day as being completely peaceful and cool until he sees Aquaman on the television and then he kills everyone. Because <laughs> <laughs> literally the sight of him drove Black Manta into a murderous rage. Wow. So see, Dan Abbott finally go, this is just dumb. <laughs> and it's a dead end for this character. Right. <laughs> and close it off mm-hmm. was great. Hmm. especially cuz the first issue looks like it was leaning all the way into it. Right. Right. Huh. Well, fascinating. Uh yeah, um I Hey, what'd you what'd you like about uh what'd you like about? What did you think about Batman? Uh, first issue I enjoyed quite a lot. Uh second issue First issue being not the rebirth issue, but yeah. Sorry, yeah. The, uh, the David Finch issue with the airplane and the the standing on top, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah.
0: The saving the plane. This would be a good death, and then boom, here comes Gotham and Lady Gotham or whatever they call them, call Gotham them. Girl, Gotham Girl. Right, exactly. And then issue two is uh opens with the Solomon Grundy scene, uh, and then has like. Oh no, know, you know, it it felt the second issue actually I was was kind of dull in the way that I expected the first issue to be. So it was kind of like, "Huh, I'm sort of bummed that this is not like a thing, I suppose." Yeah, it's,
1: it, and every issue is not absolutely insane.
0: Also there there is something that sort of it's interest, I find it uh, how do I put it? there have you read the second you've read the second issue clearly i'm, yes. I'm assuming yeah yes. so so people i don't think this is a big spoiler well i mean i guess it is because it's it's the point of the issue is a, an introduction of a villain which weirdly it gets introduced halfway through the issue with someone doing an ominous and supposedly terrifying thing that really spells it out and then the rest of the book is people being like Huh, what does this mean to you? Does this mean anything to you? No, not to me. Ah, me neither. Huh, oh well. You know, it's
1: kind but then, of... But then you get your last page reveal.
0: Yeah, your last page reveal, which again is that thing of there's nothing new to that reveal because I knew
1: that was coming, unless I missed I've, some sort I've of nuance. Just, I'm going to say there is something used to reveal. Yeah. Which is Amanda Waller's presence. Wow. I know that's not I know that's not supposed to be the point of the reveal. I know the point of the reveal is supposed to be it's Hugo Strange, right but um, much more interesting for me was the fact that Amanda Waller was there. because mm-hmm. I was like, oh, so this is all official right uh, and also interestingly enough, and this is me talking in advance mm-hmm. I guess um, ties in with this upcoming week's detective comics in a really strange way, in a way that is either Coincidence, or there's actually a much bigger plan.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, you're not reading Detective Comics, right? No, no.
0: I, although I heard a lot of people I'm, say good things. I know I'm you said you, it, and yeah, what's I
1: was going to tell you what the thing was, and I was like, no, because this podcast is still going to come out for the issue. does. Never mind. There is something that happens in this week's Detective Comics that suggests that maybe the Amanda Waller appearance at the end of Batman Issue 2 is leading to something. And is leading to something across the Batman titles, which which was surprising when I read the detective's issue. Mm. I was like, "Oh, is this a thing? Mm -hmm. Like, and if it is a thing, it could be a great thing. It could be a really interesting thing." Right.
0: Well, I have to say, for my (laughs) sorry sorry to be vague, everyone. No, it's I. You're being vague to me as well, Graham. And I have to say, I, I it's still it's one of those weird things with comics now. I feel. I don't know. It's, um, you know, back, back in the day, back, back when, you know, the, the start the, uh, montage of calendar pages flipping back and the clock rolling backwards, uh, to when I was a youngster, there was kind of this weird thing of like continuity had it, had some, had tremendous amounts of charm, but it was almost like kind of a secondary charm. Like part of me is sort of like, I feel like, comics either lived or died on their own. And now there's such a complex algorithm of like, oh, that didn't work well, but it will probably work great in the trade or, oh, that'll be fabulous when it falls. One of the things that was kind of a bummer is, is that that uh, Tom King, that first issue of Batman, uh, the King Finch one is very much a ridiculous, um, you know, it's a Bob
1: Haney issue.
0: Yeah, it's a very, it's a very enjoyable Bob Haney issue, but it's very much in in a in the Bob Haney tradition, and in that sense, kind of a very solid first issue of Batman, which is yeah. great. It stands yeah. alone on its own, except for the very end, which sort of opens up the ah, more mysteries kind yeah, of. Yeah,
1: exactly, thing. and also the last page reveal actually really works because it's a cliffhanger that doesn't undo anything from the earlier issue yeah early, like earlier in the issue is all as satisfying mm-hmm. exactly because it's then like oh and mm-hmm. whereas for issue two i think you're right issue two has a lot of who is behind this what does this mean mm-hmm. last ba- and the last page reveal isn't everything is explained it's this is the guy that's behind it what does it mean and when, when you have so many issues that are the, just the point of which are, what does it mean? And aren't satisfying on their own right. Mm-hmm. Then you do have a, why am I buying this comic? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I actually want to pivot off of that then because I, I've read a bunch of old comics this week. I have, you, you remember remember um, Cloud9 Comics, the, the super cheap comic store. Yes. Local. I love them. Uh, they're not as cheap anymore, Jeff. I have to tell you that right now. I know you'll be sad. <laughs> I, I am sad. Uh, but I got almost the entire run of Barbara and, Barbara and Carl Kessel's Hawk and Dove. Oh wow. Which I loved a lot when I, when it was coming out, which was 80, shit, 89, I think. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's 89 through 91, I think are the dates. Um, but I only read the first half of, I never read the whole series. Mm-hmm. Um, I also got a whole lot of Marvel fanfares, but I'll talk about that in a second. Um, and reading the first, say, like eight or nine issues of fucking Dove. I was like, this is a great comic. And this is the sort of comic they don't make anymore for superheroes. This is, you know, this is the comic that each issue is, does work as a uh, standalone thing. There's subplots that build up. There yeah. is so much investment in the soap opera of the secret identity as opposed to the soap opera of the superhero. Uh, and also, it's such a funny book. I was like, this is great. This is a great comic. This is so good. Hawk and Dove's ending is such a car crash, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: such Mm -hmm. a jaw-dropping car crash, that I honestly am at a loss for words to understand what happened.
2: Hmm.
1: Because it works so well, so well, up until arguably the last three issues, but realistically the last issue. And the last issue is honestly feels like Midway through writing it, someone told them the book was cancelled and that they had to try and wrap everything up. And they do it in the most just car crash disaster way imaginable. It, it's, it's a lesson in how not to end a superhero comic. It is, it should be taught in schools. It is that bad. And it's so surprising because of how satisfying each issue of the book had been up until that point.
2: Uh
1: And the book's gone through a lot of changes. So it starts off as, I don't know if you remember Hawk and Dove. Hawk and Dove are, way back in the 60s, the Ditko characters where they're two brothers and these mysterious voices come and they're always, the two brothers are always arguing and the voices say, you, angry brother, if you say Hawk, you'll turn into a superhero who's super strong and powerful. You, pacifist brother, if you say Dove, you'll turn into a superhero who's super smart and you'll have to work together to solve things. The end. Right. And then in Crisis Infinite Earths, they kill off Dove. Mm-hmm. And then for the Kiesel series, they introduced a new Dove. Yes. And so you start off as essentially a straightforward superhero series. Lots of ties to Teen Titans, but very much like uh, like DC's Blue Beetle back in the 80s or Blue Devil even. Mm-hmm. You know, a very lighthearted you know, I am a superhero, and I'm having fun, and I'm beating up bad guys. The end. Midway through, they go into the voices. we the voices of law and order. And let's go into a fantasy epic to explain the origins of your powers. Yes, right. And you're like, what? But you're yeah. not. There's four issues where they're like, we are in fantasy land. Here we are in Narnia. Mm-hmm. And now we'll have to fight each other because you are not just Hawk. You are the, like, the avatar of chaos. You are not just of, you are the avatar of order. Right. And by the way, you're both in love with each other because you're now quasi-possessed by mystical beings. <laughs> and you're like, this is weird, but okay. Right. I'll go, I'll go with it, but yeah. it's weird. Uh, and then they come back from Narnia, and you have the added, like, will they, won't they? Which, to the cutes credit, they actually get rid of super quickly. Oh, really? <laughs> it, they get rid of it within, like, three issues. That's and, and get rid of it in a really straightforward way, which is basically they'd be like, no! <laughs> 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 like, of course we're not going to get together. Um But then they go into this... Just I don't even know what the original end for this plot was going to be. Mm -hmm. But maybe the original Dove isn't dead because he's leaving voicemail messages for Hawk (laughs) and telling (laughs) Hawk he has to steal things to bring him back to life. Right? Uh Uh-huh. This goes on, and he like runs he becomes a criminal and he runs away from Dove. And this is an extended storyline. This goes on for like five issues. Right. And it goes up to the last issue, and the last issue. Honestly, out of nowhere goes, he's not the original Dove, he's the top, the Flash villain who was murdered, God knows when, like at wow. least 10 years before, if not longer. Uh-huh. Who we've never mentioned in the comic before, mm-hmm. ever. Uh, and by the way, this is also a War of the Gods crossover, so you're going to have like a Naztec warrior coming out of nowhere to fight them as well.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh And then it has a... Uh, an epilogue, which is literally series ends by the going, no, you're right. I broke the law. I'm going to jail, but I want to get married to my girlfriend. <laughs> the end.
0: That's really funny. I,
1: <laughs> it's just,
0: it's my, 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 memory is bad. Cause I would have sworn that, that I thought that there was some speedy wrap up with, with Hawk and Dove to move because into in
1: 2001. Exactly. Yeah, I wonder if that's what it is. Mm-hmm. Because, uh, for those who do not know your DC Comics history of the 90s, and really why should you? Um, Armageddon 2001 was uh, the annual crossover of 1991, the gimmick of which is one of the superheroes in DC is going to go bad and become, uh, uh, despot. Yeah. And the original, and they sold it as who is the superhero that goes bad? Yeah. And each annual, a character called Wave Rider would look into the superhero's future and see if it was them. There's a Hawk and Dove annual as part of the storyline mm-hmm. where it shows that neither Hawk nor Dove are this, are this bad guy, but they are also there's going to be a kid, and the kid is Dove's kid, who might also be Hawk's kid. They kind of leave that a bit nebulous. But she will kill the supervillain. She will bring order to everything by killing the supervillain. At some point, it leaks that Captain Atom is going to be the supervillain. And DC decided, right. well, fuck it, it's leaked. We're going to change our minds. Right. <laughs> Last minute, changed the storyline so that it became Hawk. And Hawk killed Dove. Yes. In the in the final part. And then became the despotic villain. Mm-hmm. And it might be that that's why they cancelled Hawk and Dove.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: The, the The comic. Mm-hmm. I, I, sure enough, I believe that if only because it would explain why this ending literally comes out of nowhere. Why the book literally just seems to stop and stop like someone literally just pulled the, the key out of the engine.
0: Yeah, right. Yeah. No, That. that's how I remember because I didn't – I. Hawk and Dove was one of those books where I think I read the first mini-series and then the first few issues when it got uh, the full yeah, series.
1: The, the mini-series, of course, was the, uh, the comic that brought Rob Liefeld to life. Exactly. Which is kind of amazing.
0: And, uh, but, th- you know, actually, that, that was, I was like, hm, I won't go down this particular digression, but it was kind of like, oh, right. And Todd McFarlane did Batman year two. So there's only such a-
1: Only half of it.
0: Yeah, only half of it. But still, there's no, that it's weird, it's like, such- and
1: vartlands it's Infinity Incorporated. right,
0: yeah, exactly, so it's like it's this this whole idea of like, oh, Marvel, you were still letting d c like introduce the talent and then stealing them from them, even back then <laughs> 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 so uh yeah, so Hawk and Dove yeah that's that is fascinating, but I do seem to recall that that in the back of my brain. That when it wrapped up so weirdly and badly and quickly, uh, I I seem to think that I thought it was very tied to the Armageddon 2001 stuff. Yeah, it, it
1: is actually the it's, it's, it's sad truth, Jeff. I got Hawk and Dove because I was looking in the dollar bins for Armageddon 2001. <laughs> and they didn't have any issues. Because I really, because it's not in Comixology or anything. I think it's mm. one of the few DC crossovers that isn't on Comixology. It's never been collected in trade. Really? Yeah, cause I think, I honestly think DC's embarrassed a bit. Cause you may not remember, but I do because I am a DC fanboy. Armageddon 2001, uh, then ends with the rewritten ending is Hog becomes Monarch, which is the, the name of the villain. Yes. And um, Captain Adam, who at this point has been written out of other books, mm-hmm. there's a Justice League Europe issue that comes out afterwards where one of the characters has a nightmare about him going evil that only makes sense if he is Monarch. Right. But because they rewrote that last moment, they didn't rewrite the Justice League hero, <laughs> uh, issue. And so it makes no sense. Um, but yeah, so Captain Atom was removed. So Captain Atom in the, the comic, in the final Armageddon 2001 issue. Yeah. Disappears with Mark in the time stream. Yes. Okay. And I want to say fine. It's been, it has been 15 years since I've read this comic. Mm-hmm. Um, if not more. Ah, shit. 25 years. Oh my God. That came out in 1991. Oh, um, but I want to say ends with, the story will be continued in the new Captain Atom series. Mm-hmm. Spoilers, it's not. It's continued in a miniseries called Armageddon, the Alien Agenda, which is actually super fun. It is a round-robin four-issue series where Monarch and Captain Atom literally bounce around history fighting. And every time they fight, there will be an explosion that will send them both forward in time again. Mm-hmm. So they fight with dinosaurs. Yes, if I and and I think they go forward because of the meteor hitting their, like, the website <laughs> editor, and uh, then they're in Rome, then they're in, oh shit. The Old know, West. Fight. There's the Old the West, West issue. Yeah. And, and I think the last issue is Contemporary Times. I can't be right. Maybe the 60s? I can't remember. Um, oh, it might be the Atomic Test. It might be the first Atomic Test, actually. Ah, uh, that would make sense. Um... But anyway, that series then ends with, to be continued in Captain Atom, and again, there's no new Captain Atom series.
2: Yeah.
1: yeah. There's still no new Captain Atom series. Um But Monarch disappears after that and then reappears in Zero Hour, mm-hmm. where he's the MacGuffin to disguise the fact that Hal Jordan's a villain. Mm-hmm. So Monarch spends four issues of the five-issue series going, ha-ha, I'm controlling time, and then... I shit you not is sucker punched by Hal Jordan <laughs> second last issue and Hal Jordan comes on going I'm the bad guy that's honestly what happens Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh and then and then I think he disappears until Justice Society I think he just like disappears because they're like we turned him into a bad guy and we killed off Dove and we have no idea what to do with this and so I think DC is just trying to forget this comic ever existed it could be could be
0: i mean it's it's not one of their proudest
1: moments oh nowhere close which is kind of why i want to read it again Mm -hmm. because i seem to remember even at the time like i remember the 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 final issue just being like what the fuck is happening yeah because i i might be misremembering but i think it's one of these comics that also has like 27 anchors so yeah it's it's just uh anyway so it's uh I'm just spiraling through a conversation and I apologize to all the listeners. The other thing that I got a lot of issues of was Marvel Fanfare. Right. Jeff did you read Marvel Fanfare? Yeah. You know uh it came and went, came and went yeah. cuz well, it, it was an anthology comic. Yeah,
0: exactly. So, you know, it started "quote unquote strong" in the sense that it was sp- Spider-Man and the X-Men in the Savage Land drawn by Michael Golden and written by Chris Claremont. And I was like, also, Oh,
1: it's by Golden for the first two parts.
0: Yes, exactly. And then, and then it wrapped up and I don't know. It's one of the things that I thought was interesting for me, because I saw you mentioned Marvel fanfare in passing on Twitter is, uh, is that there was such a, you could, I could tell anyway, with, somehow without knowing really of the existence of, I must have known about the existence of inventory stories.
1: Well, if you're reading the book, you have to have, because uh, Al Milgram, the editor, references them a lot in his okay. editorials. All right. So, like, so lots. The, yeah. The 50th issue editorial, because every issue starts with him doing a one page cartoon. Right. The, issue. the 50th issue actually starts with him going, It's 50th issue. I have to run something special. I don't have anything. Oh, look what I found in a drawer. It's an X Factor inventory issue. Right. Right. Yeah, you know. So so somehow... by the way, the greatest fucking comic is it? The Marvel Fan Oh, my it's a disaster. It's hilarious. <laughs> uh but no, it, it's it's an inventory comic. It's it's like it's it's the it, every issue of Marvel Fanfare feels like filler. Mhm. Um but some of it's great. Right. Like so again, I got all these books for a dollar each. Mm-hmm. But there's uh, a Tony Salmon's Daredevil story. Right. Which just looks amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's Tony Salmon's Daredevil and the back of it is um, Mark Campbell doing Spider-Man and doing like a great Ditko
2: mm-hmm.
1: Spider-Man and, and, and it's just like I, I, every page of it is great. Um, in the back of one of the issues, there's uh, Mark Badger doing a painted pinup gallery of Marvel superheroes.
0: Oh, yeah. Right.
1: Yeah. There, there's a there's a hilariously badly written but beautifully illustrated uh Bill Mantlo, Cloak and Dagger story, which again is Tony Salmon, mm-hmm. Rick Leonardi, and Kerry Gamble as the three artists. Wow! And Gamble is inked by George Freeman, and his mm-hmm. art looks great. Inked by George Freeman. <laughs> um, yeah, there's there's some great like oddities in there, but every issue is an oddity. Right. Well, see, that's it. Every issue is an oddity, and I think there's
0: also I would be more receptive to the idea of Marvel fanfare now. Weirdly enough, yeah. because yeah. I finally, after all these decades, become the sort of person that will pick up a book just because I, I like, you know, if the art's nice enough. And that usually was the hook with Marvel fanfare. And in a way, there's something that was kind of nice to have a book that was, you know, essentially off-brand takes or, or stuff that was done by artists who were so, who, whose art was so great, but they couldn't hit a monthly schedule. Yeah, that, yeah, you know that this stuff sort of got stockpiled, and you know, and then eventually it really did see the light of day. Like, part of me is like, now I'm really into it. Back then, I kind of went with it for, I don't know, maybe the first eight or nine issues or something like that, and ultimately was like, eh, none of this really matters, you know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the ultimate yeah, fanboy that, but, put down. But,
1: but that's like, I mean, there, okay, so there's an issue. David Masicelli does an Angel story written by mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm. which
1: is just like listen to that creative team. Yeah, Masicelli in, in his uh, Batman Year One era.
2: Mm.
1: Wow, doing an Anushanti story, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like that's great. Yeah, you know, um, but it, but there's just yeah, there's there's a lot of nonsense. It does make me, I it does make me go, oh god, I wish Tony Salmons had 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 more of a career. Because Tony uh, Salmon's stuff, Jeff, is just. Salmon's is really interesting, isn't he? He's oh, such a the stuff is just gorgeous, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Or, and also, I can't believe, he, I can't believe he was working at Marvel. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's yes. so outside the 1980s Marvel norm.
0: Well, see, and that's one of the things that, again, one of the things that really fascinates me about that what Marvel Fanfare shows about that era, and the way in which the 80s. Marvel is sort of different from, like, say, '70s Marvel. In a way, is is like, for the most part, '70s Marvel. If somebody who's really offbeat comes along and the editors dig them, they will find like a genuine book for them. You know, at least, at least back when they're expanding so quickly and so heavily that they'll pretty much take everyone. Once you start moving into the shooter era of Marvel and there's more edicts about storytelling i think what i find fascinating is you still see that there are right that there are editors at marvel who are very invested in giving work to people that they think are exceptional you know and that's kind of it's a ama- like you said it's amazing that tony Salmon's, had, was at Marvel but the fact is they gave, tried to give him stuff that would stick you know like they I mean it's kind of crazy to look back at Marvel and be like oh yeah Dakota North that was a book that existed you know that was a book that existed and you didn't have to have people clamoring on the internet about like let's have a female led book with a female writer you know like
1: yeah and, oh, i I love Dakota North Right. Have we ever talked about the in this Not. Podcast?
0: I think we've mentioned it in passing. I think. So I, I would love to was, pick up those books.
1: Oh, there's, and also they're really fucking rare to find now.
0: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Oh yeah, totally. Because yeah. again, they're
1: they're they're true they're true collectors items. They didn't really sell that well, I don't think. No, it's so terribly. And yeah, again, exactly. it was it just disappeared. Mm-hmm. Like it was a bi-monthly book. That I think lasted five issues.
0: Yeah, something like that. You know. So, I mean, all but the cards were I
1: loved it. I remember, and I remember the time just being like, what is this book? Because it came out eighty six, eighty five. 86, 85? Yeah, I think it's 80, so I, I something like, like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it would have been like 11.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: And I remember just being like, I don't know what this book is. I, I'm i sure I didn't get half the jokes. Right. But I just, t- 20 seven's art heart and that book was what sold me.
0: Yeah, no, exactly. And his art was just so offbeat and with just such a great sense of design, you know. Sort of reminds me of, like, there were times when, like, Trevor Von Eden was in, you know, was this guy, you know, that the editors were like, I love your work. We're going to find something that we can put you on, you know. Let's put you on a Green Arrow miniseries. You know, anything. What can we do? that that Trevor
1: Von Eden, the first time I ever saw his work is uh, Batman and the Outsiders fill-in. Wow. And so he's following Jim Aparo on a story, like – he Eden does part two of a two-part story Whew. that Jim apparel started. Yeah. Let's just say for people unfamiliar with either of those artists' work, they do not look alike at all. It's really, really distant. and, and, and the storytelling and, approach, you know? Yeah, and, and uh Von Eden is in is in his period where he's incredibly sketchy and it looks like he's drawing everything with markers.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: And I remember getting that issue and being like, I've never seen a comic like this. I fucking love it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I yeah. mean, like, I find everything this guy's going to do. He's going to be a big star, I thought, at, like, nine years old. Funny story. It huh. no, wasn't. <laughs> but you know how, like, when you're a kid, you see something and it resonates with you that much, you're like, yeah. this is the greatest thing. Obviously, he's going to be doing lots more. Right, right. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, you and
0: and Dick Giordano were absolutely completely convinced, you know? <laughs> the number of
1: times it was just me and Dick Giordano.
0: Seriously. probably It probably happened a lot. And probably, if if only he'd known, sitting there being like, well, at least Graham's going to like this one. You it's know, like, at
1: but- least like, this nine-year-old kid in another country is going to like it.
0: I love listening to, like, Dick Giordano because, of course, you know, for me and, like, it's weird that it somehow became such a old fart comic book cognoscenti secret handshake. But, of course, I loved Thriller when it
1: was coming out, you know. I have never read Thriller. Really? Oh, my God. Oh. It might be my um, San Diego... Thing to search for this year. If you think. should. You should. You know, it's really I, interesting. I've heard so many people basically be like, "Oh, it was, it was great and completely underrated at the time." Mm-hmm. Oh, it totally it, was. It's Robert Lauren Fleming, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's yeah. Robert and, Lauren and, but... Fleming and Trevor
0: Von Eden, and it's kind of the it's both of them, quote unquote, breaking in. And Dick Giordano was like, "Like, I'm so excited about this series. This is going to be amazing and great," uh, and. Apparently, one of the things that I think is fascinating is Giordano, at least in articles that I remember, talks about the heartbreak of having Thriller fall apart. In, and he said in no small part because he was like, I thought that, you know, Fleming was great and Von Eden was great. and I, And I was so excited by both of them that I threw them together and it never occurred to me that they could – like, had completely in opposite ways of working. Like, apparently, they just did not, they could not work together. And, you know, the thing about Thriller is it then proceeds to like, Von Eden leaves, and then very shortly thereafter, Fleming leaves. So it ends up yeah, yeah, it, being wrapped just, uh, up by a whole different creative team. Yeah, right? a whole different creative team. And a whole cre- different creative team that has only been there for like minutes. You know, it's yeah. like Alex Nino, I think, ends up doing the art on the last issue. I wish I could remember who writes
1: it. It's, I want to say it's Doug Munch, but it's not, is it? No, it's not. It's a, it's actually
0: a weirder choice than that. I want to say it's something, it's not loose status, but it's kind of like one of those guys that sort of uh, the name doesn't. It's like, oh, that's kind of surprising. Or I want to say it's Bill. don't S- know. No. In any yes, event. No, oops. What's that? No, bill no, 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 no. The guy who, um, who's the guy who ended up sort of drawing his own, sort of writing and drawing his own girly comics, you know? Oh, Don S- Simpson? No. No, 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 no. Uh, it, I swear it starts with a Bill, and I'm not going to remember.
1: Bill de and Alex Nino. Finish.
0: There we go. Thank you, Bill de Bay, Yes. Shit, Jeff, your memory so good in some places oh, you, and so bad. You got bad. Bill. Yeah, I was like Bill. Ah, so, um. But so, I mean, if you do get a chance to hunt them up, the Graham, by all means do. But just keep in mind that, that uh, it's the Fleming, Vodden Eden issues
1: that are jaw-droppers. Are, are the issues, yeah. Yeah. Um, because- so there's something about Marvel Fanfare, and I said this on Twitter, uh, and I, I want to, to bring it up to you. because I think you'll find it as interesting as I do. Something that Al Milgram does in the letters page that just would never happen now mm-hmm. is a, he agrees with the readers that some things are bad. Mm. So here, here from issue 22. Uh, we have to agree with you that the front cover wasn't quite up to snuff. Between the sketch and discussion stages, something was lost, and the finished version didn't quite live up to the concepts that we'd worked out. But by that time, it was too late to have it redone, and since the other two characters featured the character solo, we felt it inappropriate to have them on the front of the book. We'll do better next time. Wow. Never have that now! Yeah. You never have someone say, yeah, we tried, but it's, it didn't work out.
0: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm it's
1: amazing isn't it mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: yeah that's pretty awesome it's pretty awesome yeah al Milkro, man that dude kind of interesting like i'm like i always forget and of course is out his he's always sort of doing work under kind of the shadow un, under you know the shadow of bigger men you know i know not necessarily as you would define them per se but like i remember even hey, Jim Shooter's really tall <laughs> i was talking about Jim Starlin who of course milgram works really closely with and then um and then also feeling that that marvel marvel fanfare his editing there is great but it's also very much archie goodwin light yes and,
1: yeah you know it, there is an element of uh, marvel fanfare being like Epic ish. Mm-hmm. You know, yes, it's exactly really, Yeah, it's 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 a very strange thing. The yeah. uh, last thing I want to tell you from the Marvel Fanfares is Jim Shooter has an editorial in issue seven. Mm-hmm. Where he talks about having dinner with Bill Cabbage. Okay. <laughs> uh huh. There Bill told me his reaction to my yellow jacket storyline in The Avengers. He said that it affected him deeply, particularly the issue in issue two thirteen, court martial. He said that at one point, he actually threw his copy down in anger and walked away from it, but found himself inexorably drawn back. He said that it struck emotional chords inside him from his own past. He calls it intense, powerful, and real. And then he paid it the ultimate compliment. He said he wished he had drawn it. Wow. Does that not blow your mind? Like, (laughs) even as hyperbole, because I do not believe that conversation. That blows my mind. I, I love know. the idea that Jim Shooter has his own, like, never mind and Bolton's, he has an additional editorial page Yeah. to boast that he had dinner with Bill Sienkiewicz, and Bill Sienkiewicz told him that he wished he had drawn the Hank Gore Marshall issue wow. of Avengers. And that he was so upset he threw it down, but then he picked it up because he was drawn back to it. I love that. I, I wish it were true. Because it honestly makes me think, I love the idea that Billson Cabbage is such a fucking fanboy oh, that he's in like doing big big numbers with Alan Moore and he's like, "Oh, I just wish one of these guys could shrink down <laughs> that's so great like never mind all this this fucking like we're building a shopping mall in Northampton. I wish one of these characters would just like have unstable molecules."
0: Well, he, you know, he did leave the series, so maybe he did leave the series, so maybe that is why. You know, but it's
1: it's yeah, I just I, that I, I would be it.
0: great. With everyone, all the years of speculation, it's like with Bill Sinkovich fin- is like finally asked Alan Moore, like, yeah, I I powered through the script of issue three, uh, Al, and uh it was it was great, but I got to
1: know. When do they get their superpowers? Exactly. Which one of these characters is Adamantian Bones? Yeah, exactly. Well, because it's very
0: much. He's like, I-, I thought this was, you. when you said this was building off my work in New Mutants, I thought you meant that they were going to become a super team. <laughs> so, and, of course, Alan Moore's like, hello, hello, hello. No, I, of <laughs> course, meant
1: <laughs> all uh, that yeah, was, you know, slimy. When, your, when are you the book of Jerusalem? <laughs> oh, that would be great. The <laughs>
0: audiobook reading. Oh my God. That, that, that is the Patreon, uh, bonus so,
1: that has what, to happen. what nuts. If you want to make Jeff's year, first of all, he probably does want to read the Jerusalem when it comes out. But secondly, if you want to buy him a copy so that he can, as a Patreon extra, um, record excerpts of it.
0: You know, it's actually so funny that you mentioned this, uh, Graham, because just a few weeks ago when we were prepping for our Baxter building, um, I was so exhausted and so crazy. But but I really I became obsessed with this idea that for a Patreon extra, I, I wanted to convince you to um that you and I would would alternate um every week Reading a different Stanley soapbox, like recording that <laughs> and putting that into the Patreon box as like an extra, because I was just reading some of them, you know. Because we, the you current... know what,
1: Jeff, Jeff, I will go one, not one better, but one different. Okay, you can do a Stan's soapbox, and we'll alternate with that with me reading articles from Marvel Age. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Okay, all right, that sounds good. We'll ha- we'll have to piece something together
1: because I really was, I, I, I was. You saw me on Twitter this week, but I was talking about um, Jim Owsley's editorial advertising the Falcon. Ooh, I did see that. I thought that was fascinating. I I have to find it. It's an issue seven, I think, or issue eight. Uh, it's not issue eight, apparently. Is it issue seven? Yes, it is. Let me read, listeners. Jim Owsley, uh wrote a two-page editorial advertising the falcon this is in 1983 Mm -hmm. it starts off with the following lines in the ghetto you're on your own dying is easy nobody cares and no one will save you but him that's the start of it Mm -hmm. it then goes dick gregory a well-known black comedian and political activist once said he'd gone to dine at a racist restaurant in the south when the waiter brought him his meal, a roast chicken, Dick found himself surrounded by several local citizens of the redneck persuasion. These gentlemen told Dick that whatever he, had, he did to that chicken on the plate, they would in turn do to him. He said, You gentlemen mean to tell me that whatever I do to this chicken, I'm paraphrasing here, no matter what it is, you'll do the same to me. The redneck gentleman reaffirmed their statement. While this presented Dick with a unique opportunity, one that doesn't present itself very often, here was a solid opportunity for Dick to make a bold statement and leave a solid impression on these people. Without another word, Dick picked up the succulent birds in both hands and kissed it. Where do you think he goes from there? I can't,
0: literally can't even imagine.
1: The Falcon has long been a mainstay of the Marvel Universe, created in 1969 by San Lee and Gene Colan. The Falcon made a name for himself within the pages of Captain America. For nine years, the Falcon... Uh, by the way, every single time the word the Falcon is used, it's in bold. Wow. Uh, for nine years, the Falcon teamed with Cap against the likes of the Red Skull, Dr. Faustus, Bashrock's the Leaper, and even Spider-Man. For over a 100 issues, Captain America, issues 117 to 222, the Falcon shared in Cap's many adventures until Cap left Falcon in charge of a fledgling group of superheroes and took off to explore his past. Aside from short stints in both The Defenders and The Avengers, the Vulcan has almost retired from the Marvel Universe that is, of course, until now. The Falcon's real name is Sam Wilson. Sam is a social worker who lives and works in the Harlem district of Manhattan, New York. To me, there's a whole world of possibilities presented within just those two sentences. Harlem is full of life and energy. It's not the den of iniquity, come, enter, if you dare, kill, whitey type of place some people seem to think it is. Likewise, black people, especially black women, aren't nearly as loud, rude, angry, and or violent as some people may think. Mm. I've been to Harlem, and I know more than my fair share of black people, so take it from me. Wow. Isn't that stunning? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, isn't that genuinely staggering? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, my fair share of black people is staggering to see a black man write, mm-hmm. even in
2: 1983.
1: Because mm-hmm. he's clearly writing as, I'm white. Yes. Wow. I look at the series as my chance, my unique opportunity to try and explode a few of these many ridiculous stereotypes some people have placed on entire segments of our society. It's just... uh Living in the ghetto means always wanting to get out. Ask anyone who lives in the ghetto what their long-range plans are. Nobody likes living in a ghetto. Living in a ghetto usually means your parents were poor and you were born poor. It's just... It's such a wacky, weird... Mm-hmm. We... Yeah. Although, <laughs> I also have to... And this is going up in the Tumblr, so it'll be up on Monday, I think. Mm-hmm. But uh, I have to find the, the, the promo copy. The solicitation for the first issue of The Falcon. Are you ready? Yes. And you'll be glad this is going up in Tumblr, because you will want to have this written down. <laughs> the Falcon issue one, limited series. Written by Jim Mousley. Pencils by Paul Smith. Open brackets of X-Men fame. Three exclamation points. Close brackets. Inks by Vince Coletta. Also, can
0: we talk about Paul Smith and
1: Vince Coletta? Oh, man.
0: Seriously. that—that That is, like, talk about a
1: punch in the nuts. Ugh. Okay, wait. You want a punch in the nuts? It's (laughs) this list. Are you ready? I'm ready. Are you sure? I think so. Forget Hill Street Blues. Forget St. Elsewhere. Forget Fort Apache, the Bronx. It's tough. It's contemporary. It pulls no punches. It's Sam Wilson, a.k.a. the Falcon. It's real. Words that's right it actually ends word 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 yeah. it's real words
2: mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm, forget mm-hmm. fort apache the bronx which is great because it really was that thing of like who the f- nobody
0: watched fort apache the bronx like
1: yeah it's real words i just love that yeah that's pretty it, awesome what's, what's it? it's, it's a black superior right word let's put in word that's that's that'll appeal to the core audience Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. T- so between that and the Jim Mousley article, it's just, wow. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so, yeah, I'll,
1: I'll read Marvel Age stuff, and you can read Sam Soapbox. There we go. There we go. And <laughs> I, might also, I might also dip into Jim Shooter's editorials. Oh, Jesus, Jim Shooter's editorials. they are
0: hilarious. Yeah, they were pretty amazing. I remember when we were doing the uh the Avengers read through and uh uh we got really heavily into the Jim Shooter era and it was really interesting his editorials,
1: you know? There um, there's one in particular where he talks about he tells a story, a parable I think he calls it, mm-hmm. as only Jim Shooter could. Which is honestly him complaining that no one wished him happy birthday. I'm not joking. I'm not joking, Jeff. <laughs> and and it's, in oh, it's, in the form. it's in the form of memos from the king of, I think it's the king of a caveman tribe. to mm-hmm. his fellow tribe leaders. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically being like, I know I'm the best. You don't have to wish me happy birthday. And then it's memos, why well, did none of you wish me happy birthday? And then it's memos him being like, I've ordered myself a party. And the last line is honestly, it's good to be boss. It's <sighs> amazing, Jeff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jim. are great. Patreon supporters. Genuinely tell us if you want us to do this.
0: That's right. If this if this is the sort of thing, although it's well, anyway, we'll 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 get there. <laughs> Let's let's <laughs> return to speaking about comic books, Graham. If you don't mind, uh, some hey, some Did we really stuff.
1: leave? Did we really
0: leave? Talking no, about- no, no, no. I'm sorry. Yeah, let's stop. Some- uh, well, let me tell you. Uh, one of the things that um, I wanted. Well, there, there's there's the complaint and there's the praise, and the the praise is sadly incomplete because because it has just been such a motherfucker of a week. I was like, you know what? I'm going to sit down and I'm going to read all of Transformers versus GI Joe. Uh, You know, it's one part reread, one part I had fallen off on. Like I had a bunch of issues stockpiled. So I
1: still haven't read the end, but I have seen the My Little Pony panel, and it made me laugh like a motherfucker. See, I haven't seen it. Have not seen that. So yeah, it's all I'm going to say is, if you ever thought that. Someone would get My Little Pony cameo into Transformers G.I. Joe. You should have known to be Tom Scaly. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Well, this is, you know, I have to say, so it's fucking phenomenal. I made it up through issue 10. Uh, and I Plus, was like, You're oh, super close. I'm like, so you so close. 12? Yeah, it's 13. 13 was the big super issue that, that came out. And, uh, I'm like, ah, I'm so close. And I was, I was just plowing through it like a motherfucker. Transformers versus G.I. Joe. I know we have talked about it at several different points. We were both following it on an issue by issue basis, then we sort of both fell off at various points. I tried to get you back in there for that amazing, um, you know, what is reality, uh, issue, mindfuck issue. Uh, and then I think it fell off. I might have read the issue after that. Anyway, going back, rereading it all in a one-er, as it were, although an incomplete one-er. Yeah, Jesus god graham oh my god that book is amazing i adore it you know all of the the i can't believe they were allowed to do this is still in full effect when you reread it um, it, it,
1: it is staggering it's like I, I i have like you fallen off like i haven't read the end and i think at this point i'm just gonna wait until the collection
0: yeah no i which i kind of i kind of get i mean i, I went and you know what it was it was during that uh I, I had the individual issues bought and stockpiled, but of course when a when that uh, IDW 4th of July sale came up with the G.I. Joe stuff, I'm like, oh, fuck it. I'm going to treat myself and I'm going to get all this shit digitally so I can sit down and just blast right through Fly it. Blast it, right, yeah. Yeah, and uh, I, I apologize because the weird part is I could have sworn this was something that you said in one of the previous times that we talked about the book, but also part of me is like, I don't think that Graham would say it. And of course there's part of me that's like, maybe Graham wouldn't believe it, but rereading Transformers versus GI Joe, the analogy that came to mind. And I, and I think it sticks is Transformers versus GI Joe is the Paul's boutique of comic books. It, it is everything that the beastie boys got celebrated for doing in Paul's boutique Transformers versus GI Joe is the is the comic book version of that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I take it so you didn't say that. Was that is that I I
1: did I did not say it, but I okay. I agree with it. Yeah, it's <laughs> given um... my love for Paul's boutique. I'm like, yes, that's great. But I definitely didn't say it.
0: Oh, okay. Well, thank goodness. Okay, great, because I'm I was afraid you were gonna be like, I hate Paul's boutique, but hell, I yeah, think
1: I love Paul's boutique.
0: So it it really is that like there's so much going on that Scioli is and Barber are doing that's just straight out of its, you know, um. It's telling a story, but Scioli is also building so many points of reference into it that it really is like that sample collage that that you have in Paul's Boutique. There's amazing stuff in there. There's amazing stuff that I was picking up that I was kind of like, like, oh, shit. Here's the page where he totally, among other things, there's all these other things that are jammed in there, but there's but the page where it's. It's he bites the last page of Electra Assassin and redoes it, but with the uh, you know General Flag, the character that is his, is his Stranko shout out character, and oh my god, just pages where I was just, but but separate and apart from that, just the jaw droppingness. I don't think you know you and I, uh, you should sit down and get to it because he does an an issue, a, a flashback issue that's I think it's issue nine. Um, that's straight out of, um, you know, his shout out to like Kirby's The New Gods, you know, the, the, the flashback Tales of the New Gods backup story kind of thing. Just in the sense of he's like, oh, okay, I've built up this elaborate cosmology. Now I'm going to jump back, you know, thousands of years in the past and, set up everything that i've been I've been stacking into play for the these last batch of issues and it's kind of glorious and he does that right after oh no it's just the number of times my jaw dropped and i literally said oh holy shit aloud and i'm still not I- even finished is stunning to me so yeah that book is holy shit that book uh I picked up Dark Knight, A True Batman Story by Paul Dini and Eduardo Rizzo based in no small part on some of the very good stuff that you said about it. And I can tell YouTube you don't says. like it.
1: I can even tell just from you being like, ah, before you said it.
0: Yeah. And and it bums me out so much that I don't like it. Because I was like well, – because apart from the fact that it's a, a lovely hardcover that uh, is signed by Paul Dini, I, I think it was – the comics experience uh, graphic okay. novel club pick, so they just literally had Deanie had in for uh, signing in a comic uh, their their graphic novel book club discussion just just a few nights previously, and I I was so into this I was like this is going to be my jam and I'm really fascinated by the ways that it ended up failing me and part of me is like and I sort of blame you for that Graham which is well you should because
1: I I was very effusive in my praise and I mm-hmm. like I genuinely when you went eh, I was like oh shit he didn't like it and I just got him to buy like a $25 novel. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah I, I'm taking that on me I still love it I, I reread it uh, I think just before I wrote up the piece that were after I interviewed him and I was like oh you know this is, this is great this is exactly this is everything I wanted it to be so now let me let's dig into that because I see you again. I, I did that like a month ago. We stop fucking reading things I read a month ago, and I can't really remember. It's going to turn into fucking Wonder Woman again. Well, it's, well, okay.
0: So give me give me your vague recollections of what. So here's my thing.
1: I, if, I find it. I find it a very. Um, Self-aware and self-critical book about his fandom and his relationship to the fictional characters. See. And I, I, I also think he's, uh, he's simultaneously being too hard on himself and too soft in the ways in which he's too hard on himself. That is fascinating to me.
0: Mm-hmm. I, my, my thing is, is that there is, so so for people who don't necessarily know the the hook of the book uh this is this is it it literally is a true batman story paul dini is talking about essentially the incident where he got mugged one night in los angeles but his how he goes about building up to that talks about his life in as as a comic book fanboy when he moved into animation you know working for the on the Batman the animated series especially in how that influenced things but there's a lot about his his failures to connect um particularly with women and i and this is the part that actually weirdly annoyed me is that um you know it's very much kind of like you said it's it's him sort of unflinching you know sort of a, doing a very unflinching talk on himself and sort of his failures and what leads up to the to the night that he gets mugged and then even more difficult for him dealing with the trauma of being mugged and one of the things that you said months and months ago when you read it and you sort of reiterated here is the way in sort of the idea of being a batman fanboy fucks you up. Yeah,
1: I I I think it's a, I think he's really clear in, in the ways in which he is unable to deal with what's happened because of his fandom.
0: Ah, interesting. Cuz I don't really Can you can you elaborate on that? Is there is there anything that particularly comes I, to mind I, there or
1: Again, it's been a while since I've read it. Right. But I feel the fact that the heroes are the one who ones who are snarky and critical of him. hmm And the villains are the ones who essentially are his worst impulses, which tell him to give in to his depression or uh, denial of what has happened. Mm-hmm. Because um, everyone wants to see themselves as the heroes. hmm But heroes set your – you have – Batman and and I think Batgirl appears at some point criticizing yes. him for not basically fighting back and beating them,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and I think it, it's it's it shows how if you fall for those stories you're setting yourself up for failure because you can't live up to these ideals.
0: Well, so this is the thing that I think is interesting because that's a great point and would make a great story. And I it the way that Dini writes it, it that point is softened. To the – to literally to the point of mush, you know, because –
1: I see. I I don't think so.
0: Because what he has is he has Batman saying, like, you were a chump. You – basically because you – not because you couldn't fight back. I mean there was – there is literally one panel where he says that and Deanie shoots it down. Like, that would only work because it was you. That would only work because you're, like – you know, and you're a fantasy figure, but, you know, you've been a martial artist who's been training all your life. Even if I was fit, I wouldn't have been able to, you know, very rational. The thing that I think is interesting is, is that, that Batman, quote unquote, Batman goes on to chastise him saying things like, yeah, but you weren't alert. You weren't, you ignored your surroundings. You could have, you know, you, you, could have gone and knocked on a door you could have changed direction you could have done any number of things
1: other than the thing that you did and- but is there not also a scene where bad shows up and like just straight out is like you're a wuss she I, I, I might again i might be much reminded, but i'm sure there's a scene where she like basically shows up in the elevator and is like ha cute br- cute cute bruises yeah you know i would have taken them out and you know, three seconds or something like
0: that. She, she says, the main thing that she says is something along the lines of, I've had worse. You know, s- something like, you know, I've had worse happen to me than, than you, you know. And I don't, how do I put it? I'm kind of not you reading it into it i i i well I think you take i think you're taking it to the step where I think I wanted to see that. I think that um Dini is there's a lot of unconnected dots there, and one of the things is of course because it's a Batman book Batman's the guy who inspires you know is the character that inspires him to transcend his tragedy, which makes sense that's kind of what Batman does. But what I really did hope was this idea of – because this is something that I feel like I read, again, I don't know, buried in some comics journal, whatever. And it was something that really resonated with me, uh, the idea that reading all these superhero fantasies – I'm not a violent person at, at all. Out in the world, though, there are, I remember times in which I would have a lot of paranoia. Uh, uh, out in the world that I spent a lot of time wondering how much of that was reinforced by superhero comics, by the nature of superhero comics, you know? And in fact, at one point when Dinny is talking about his own mugging and saying like, Oh, if you were there, I totally know how this would have played out. And he taught, you know, and it's illustrated. And of course I should mention that because it's Eduardo Rizzo, it looks really so gorgeous in so many places. Uh, But you know, we've seen that, of course we have seen that opening all that time, and there is a lot that has to do with this idea of predatory criminals, like jumping innocents, and, and, and so I was kind of hoping that there would be a lot of, a little bit more of that stuff, the way in which trying to deal with violent desires and how much those desires actually come out of, um, are reinforced by the material that we read. Because we all read violent, pulpy, lurid material. And I am 100% convinced that the majority of comic fans are not violent people. And in fact, are, you know, pretty much the opposite. But there are times that I do worry that my... Fear and paranoia in the world came from just such a concentrated diet. So fair enough. It doesn't matter that, you know, Denise's story is Denise's story. But what is also fascinating to me is that the first half or two thirds of the book is so layered about his failures with women and his attraction to the wrong kind of woman, you know, sort of the L.A. starlet and who doesn't care about him at all Uh, and he talks about you know who's only interested in him for how it can help their career and Denny manages to circle back to it a few times by saying things like you know the problem is really me that I was interested in this type of person that I didn't show any sort of backbone in my relationships you know that I you know he he hit he hint faints at the superficial you know like I'm too interested in these people for their superficial looks, you know, but there's also a real strong level of him being um you know uh, these women treated me terrible, and the my problem was that I was a doormat, you know kind of and there's again what's amazing to me is is for a book in which again the the idea of an over identification with Batman is a big deal there 's not a lot of emphasis put on the idea of Bruce Wayne Playboy and how that might have played into Deanie's fantasies at all so the thing that 's amazing to me is like it it reads like a story that a good tale that someone has told around a bar or at a, like he mentions a podcast that Kevin Smith's podcast, that I think he first told it on. And it has that like, Oh, there's all these really great little telling details, but it is also a weird, it's, it's, it's so facile. Like there's a lot of appearances by Batman and his various rogues gallery, as as you mentioned. And the rogues gallery pops up a lot and he's able to write their voices. He's able to draw their, um you know, Dini knows his, his Batman characters and his takes on the characters are really close to the versions that I hear in my head as someone who is like a big fan of the animated series and stuff. But But they're all really facile and glib, like oh I've got a scar and two faces like oh I've got a scar
1: you know, that kind of thing. It was I was it's just But is that is that not the point that all of these characters aren't don't have the depth to deal with this? That's why you have to have the multiple characters to deal with one person's trauma. No,
2: like
0: I don't think so. Uh, I mean, I, I okay. mean, if you say so, I'm kind of like, no, I'm, it's just he's got, you know, he's written all these characters, you know, the Rogues Gallery, and you know, he's kind of like, oh, that, you know, I can see the idea of like, oh, this is like one side of, I mean, I think, I think, Dini is talking about, and it's kind of to me would be an interesting connection, this idea that there that all of these characters represent different reactions to trauma, you know, which That's, is an interesting Is that not book. exactly
1: what he's doing in the book, though. No, I like, so, Graham. I, <laughs> I don't, One I don't Slitter's think like, I think my reading is as valid as yours. And I like that. I'm like, it's not what he said. You're like, Nope. Yeah. I'm like, I know. No, I mean, not, if not he, he is, done, he's doing it like, like, in like a
0: really glib facile way. I mean, honestly.
1: I, okay. I, I disagree with you, but okay. yes, I, I, I get that. So, anyway,
0: it just, it, I put it down
1: being like, ugh, ugh. It, uh. Uh, I, I genuinely am sorry. Because I, that's not a cheap book, right? No, 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 no. It's fine. It's fine. I mean, I, no, I, no, I, well, put it this way. Know. I know I'd be mad if I bought a $23 book. I just looked at the back. $23 book based on your recommendation. And I was like, this is pants. No, but I, everyone else
0: seems to love it too. I, it, this book is widely acclaimed. Again, it's not like it wasn't, um, you know, I mean, the, the, I happen to know from talking to the people, like the Comics Experience Graphic Novel Book Club, they literally go, like, they come up with a list of the books that they think look promising, you know, based on previews or whatever's coming down three, three months in advance. Every, you know, I th- want to say that maybe it's just the editorial staff of, of Hibbs and the managers, but, but what happens is, is all the employees read the books and vote on them, and then they rank them, and so it's it's taken really seriously, you know this the the approach, and uh, they've they've got some. So to me, it's like I'm the one who I think is going to be the weirdo and the outcast here, because I think a lot of people are going to pick up, uh, have picked up this book and have been like, this is awesome, you know people, you know. The Comics Experience team was like, this is our graphic novel of the month. This is the book that we want to celebrate, promote, you know, ship to the people in the club. We're going to have Dini for a signing. It's a big deal. And I've seen other incredibly laudatory reviews. And I just have this weird, like, maybe I'm an old fart. You know, um, and I know that you happen to read real books, Graham. I, so I, I know that it's I'm not. I'm
1: so tense, like, It is. It's you, Jeff. You're,
0: you're an old fart.
1: No, I mean, I I am an old fart. But <laughs> I, I, also I feel have that's this weird. My, I feel that's my version of you being like, nope. Jeff, yeah. What about this? Nope. <laughs> right. Like, well, it is, because Jeff, I am you. Graham. You're I'm just fault. like you. It's you. You failed. You read it wrong. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it's true. No, I I am perfectly fine with that. I mean, because I really it it's I, I don't know. Uh, it's weird. It's weird how much it it arose
1: the frustrated crank in me, you know. Cause I, no, but I, I here's the thing. I can totally see why it would do that. Mm-hmm. Because you have a very specific take on what you want from the story, and you're so emotionally tied to these characters yourself that you have a very specific idea of what the story should be. Because you understand what he's trying to do, mm-hmm. and he's unable to deliver it in the form you want. So it's going to be a worse reaction for you because you're, you're going to be like, oh, God, you're so close, but you fucked it up.
0: Well, yeah, there's uh, – for me, I feel like there's two grounds. One is, is I'm like – I feel like his his take on the Batman characters and how it fits into this rubric of his inner life is kind of facile, uh, facile. And then I feel like the flip side of it is is that for a book that is about degrees of self-scrutiny – it seems pretty unscrutinous. You know, I, 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 before this, I finished like maybe two or three weeks, uh, three weeks ago, uh, Purity by Jonathan Franzen. And that book drove me nuts. But I have to say that that book drove me nuts in a way that, you know, I don't know. I just remember when I was kind of complaining about Scott McCloud's, the sculptor, you know, is that mm-hmm. same thing of like, why can't like, this lowered standard, a, a much lower bar for graphic novels, you know, in that sense of what we expect for them. When, when McCloud's like, Oh yeah, I don't, I don't really know anything about the modern art world. I just kind of, you know, I had a couple of beers with Larry Marder and that's good. Cause I can write that off of my taxes and I like Larry Marder, you know, that kind of thing. And I, again, this weird, like Paul Dini's like dark Knight, whatever else is wrong with purity uh, by friends and there's a lot he does at multiple points um, kind of drag himself over the coals. You know, he does, he does, it's not even explicitly him. It's, it's a, it's a fictional book, but in in a book in which he has degrees of argument um, set up in it, he is pretty unflinching, uh, in terms of taking apart the characters that are supposed to represent quote unquote his side of the argument and stripping it down um, sort of I think he's got enormous blind spots but but I really did maybe that was just my problem is as I was I kind of pick up picked up Dark Knight being like oh I really kind of expected this to be like a real book and if this had been like a Batman annual or something I probably would have been like oh wow this is great but you know as something that I thought was going to be
1: a real book I was kind of like Fuck this shit. So, <laughs> so uh, I I'm looking forward to choosing. It's not as good as Jonathan Franzen's Purity. Uh, yeah, the, for the paper. That bag. would be great. It, that would be
0: terrific. It's no Purity. Uh, let me just speak. It, is, it's it's no it's not a real book. It's not a real book. It's not a real book, and that is true. That is really. <laughs> the god's honest truth people are <laughs> celebrating it like it
1: is a real book and i'm just like that is that is." i think I, I i genuinely like despite the fact that i support your disappointment in it yes it's what is like it? jeff i can't believe you're like it's not a real book no i know
0: it's a dickish thing to say it's a dickish it's, thing it's- to say it's, I'm
1: genuinely kind of appalled. I'm like, Jeff, you of all people, like that's your argument against the comic? No, it's no, not, my, but... no, is that it's really bad,
0: Graham? But it's really it's it's bad and it's 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 a failure. And it to me the problem is is part of it is the way that it's set up as what it's presented as. And I know that that's not necessarily unfair, but I do have that moment because I'm going to be, you know, talking about how much I enjoyed KFC, the Colonel core in just, just a minute here. (laughs) So that's really going to, you know, paint my, you know, the flaws of my reasoning large, but there is something where I'm like the second issue of the Colonel core by being a freebie promotional KFC comic book, is pretty goddamn good. This thing, it's not so much that it's 2399. It's just the fact that it's being presented as this substantial piece of, of, of literature. And it's just, it's, I don't know what it's like. It's basically, it's like the psychodrama issue of love boat. You know what I mean? It just doesn't, it doesn't. I honestly, I would love the psychodrama issue of, love Boat, <laughs> as you know, but I mean, oh, it just no. is, it's just, it's, it's just, it's, yeah, it's just, it's, yeah, it's just depressingly glib and it's crap. So, but, okay. second, did you read the second issue? Did you read the Colonel core? It's not no. really right, the second issue. You didn't read, you didn't read it, it, the Colonel
1: core? It is the second issue it says on the cover. It's like, it, issue two!
0: Well, it, it, it does say, yeah, it does. It says second issue, yeah. Wow, you wait, you haven't read it yet or you have no intentions
1: on reading it? Did you read the first uh, one? I, yeah, I, not only did I read the first one, I fucking, like, broke the story of the fucking Hollywood Reporter. Um, yeah, I I just haven't read it. I I am. It's as I told you an email this week, like it's been a fucker of a week. Um, I'm I've read everyone talking about it, and I'm waiting until everyone stops talking about it for I read it because right now I I am expecting far too much from it. Mm. Like everyone has been so. Oh my god, this is hilarious! That you know, if this is just a funny comic, yeah. I'll be let down. Right, right, right.
0: Yeah, I think that's a good idea. Make sure you get a copy, tuck it away for a little while, and then come back to it, and then just be like, "Wow, that's hilarious!" So, yeah, I I dug that. We could also talk about my personal failings as a human being by um, trying out the free trial of Comixology Unlimited. If you if you want to talk about that, oh,
1: I, I I'm genuinely surprised you did that because you were you were uh, vehemently against that when we I talked about. I was, and I still... Even though even though you, you and I still have very different feelings about who's at fault there, but... Yeah, okay, so... Here's a question, and it's not your personal feelings as a human being. Right. Is it worth it? Because is it not like volume one of a series is for free? Yeah, well, but... Uh, yeah, but I don't... Okay,
0: so here's... Um... Honestly, for myself as a dude that likes to try and sample stuff, I that's part of why I went in on it. I I had heard about the variety of um, uh, that that it was like a little poo-poo platter, but I'm I'm basically okay with that. And in fact, one of the things that sort of fascinated me when I did sign up for it was some of the stuff that I signed up. Some of the stuff that I downloaded was in some cases. Um, Stuff that either, like, there was, like, Dynamite is a perfect example. There is a number of things that are being, Dynamite has a surprisingly wide, uh, swath of stuff that they're offering that I either have bought or considered buying. Like, for example, they have, uh, the Dark Savage Archives Volume 1, which is the collection of the Marvel Black and White magazine material. And, mm-hmm. I've come this close to buying that at, you know, Dynamite's... Numerous times, I'm sure. Yeah, exactly. So part of me is like, oh, this is great. I can actually pick this up. You know, um, another one that was always attractive to me was the fact that they had, uh, um, you know, the first volume of the, the Incow, uh from Humanoids. I was like, oh, that would be such a great way to kind of actually dig into it. You know, and uh, there was a few other things where I was like, in many cases, again, some of these were things that I had turned around and I had bought, like uh, the first book one of Appleseed that I bought off of Dark Horse, for example. You know, a lot of things that I was buying in sales, but...
1: Um, but never reading, knowing yet. Well, <laughs> ouch. No, so, it's, it's, that's not even being sarcastic like yeah you buy no, no. Exactly. far more than you read digitally yeah absolutely i, I buy buy more than especially I read when a sale thoughts. is involved yeah exactly when a sale is involved you're literally like i might read this one day and then cut to a year later and you're like oh i didn't even know i had this
0: yes yeah yeah actually i figured out ways to get a little bit better about that but yeah so part of me was like 30 uh, day free trial i could quit the 599 or whatever per month that it was I'm like is that less than what I'm spending to try and pick up some of these sale books I'm like probably so I I thought it was I thought it was worth a go and uh I'm that being said one of the things that actually I find a little frustrating about comicsology unlimited isn't so much that they're um cuz because what's great about it is, is their selection is broad but shallow, and I went into it sort of expecting that. What sort of bothered me more was kind of the fact that it's really hard to search on stuff, you know, like when you go, it's it's really hard to dig around on the Comicsology app uh, mm-hmm. in Unlimited. Because if you go to Discover and you've got <laughs> Comixology Unlimited signed up for. They'll have the just added to Comicsology Unlimited, popular on Comicsology Unlimited, new to comics, start here, staff picks, break it down by a couple of genres, sci-fi and fantasy, movies and TV, superheroes, crime and mystery, horror, gaming, kid-friendly comics, fan favorite collections. And then it gets to a couple of different spotlights, like Spotlight on Image, Spotlight on Dark Horse, Spotlight on NDW. But like... Under Staff Picks, they had the first volume of, uh, uh, what is it? Is As the Gods Will, which is, I think, published by, I think is being published by Kodansha. Let's see if I can find the, I'm turning in the wrong direction. Um, is being published, yeah, by Kodansha. And I'm like, oh, great. Where's more of the manga in there? And it's like, fuck if I know what you can do is go in. If you search by publishers, they don't limit the results by comiXology unlimited. So it'll be like a bajillion different titles. And then you can kind of, they'll have, if you want to scan across them and keep an eye peeled for the comiXology unlimited banner, like good luck, you know? So that was kind of frustrating. I sort of feel like, uh, comic, Comixology Unlimited is not unsurprising considering how the reveal was announced. It doesn't feel entirely on the up and up, you know? And as for why I signed up for it, of course, I really did want to, you know, I was like, this would be good for me. A library of comics, I could spend less money or at least I would have a better way of sampling stuff. Part of me was, you know, in an. In,
1: it's in a, it's the Marvel Unlimited theory.
0: Yeah, you know, right. Right. it's the same
1: thing. Yeah,
0: exactly. Except it, hopefully it would allow me to try more stuff without having to turn around and be like, "Oh, Graham said good thing about bad machinery. It's on sale, and I'm drunk. I'm going to buy it, and then not quite get around to reading it." You know, it's kind of <laughs> like they, here's the service. You that... should
1: read. You should read that, Jeff. didn't yes. Buy it because you're drunk and you haven't read it. You should. Yes. No, I know, Graham. I should. I mean, here's the thing. Mm -hmm. I will give you not liking Dark Knight. If you don't like bad machinery, we're we're gonna have words, right? Exactly.
0: I know, right? Maybe that's it, Graham. Maybe 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 I'm scared to read it. Maybe maybe you are.
1: Are Are you scared of the truth?
0: Are you? Are you scared of lack of joy? Yeah, it's true. I, uh, not that. I, I, I'm well, I'm well <laughs> I like, resigned like, to my no, life. I'm, I'm completely okay with lack yeah. of joy. <laughs> lack of joy is great. That's, that's, that's me in a nutshell. It's I more the idea right that we would, we would have words on it. You
1: know, it's, uh, would be, would be, would
0: break my heart, Graham.
1: So uh, I, yeah, I, I don't, um. So wait, do you regret signing up for it?
0: No, at this point I don't because it's currently Are still you- free. So as a free service, it's ridiculously good for the next, you know, 26 days or whatever. I, I'm i still frustrated. Uh, I, what's that? Will you keep on? Will you be uh,
1: on you, you the free trial? I,
0: I don't know. Knowing me, I probably will because part of me, even now, I'm like
1: <laughs> – Do you say that because you'll forget to cancel? Not no, that I- I've done that at all with any Amazon services, none the slightest. Yeah. Oh, that's right. You didn't you do that with Kindle Unlimited? Yeah, I signed up for Kindle Unlimited for the free trial and forgot to cancel for like two months. Yeah. No.
0: I've, I I figure that I'm in this for for a couple of months. I think you know. So like, because for me, I, I really do feel like five ninety nine is not not a lot for for an all you can eat service like this. You know, it's
1: so so. Where do you stand now on the uh, creator or lack thereof?
0: Well, and this is it. Honestly, I was at uh, what listeners may not know, but Graham does know is, is that I sent a tweet out on, uh, on, on Twitter a couple of weeks ago being like, Hey, does anybody know? Like, did they ever write a story about what the fuck was up with this launch and why creators weren't told and how they feel about it? And, uh, Chris Arant, Arant, is it Arant? I don't know how to pronounce this. I always
1: said Chris Arant, and I, but I've never met him, so I don't. Yeah, know.
0: Chris Arant. Our apologies, Chris, if we're screwing up your name. Was very kind enough to uh, reply, although I think once you actually replied to me, uh, and because you'd said like, I think people had looked into doing a story, and then it got killed for a variety of reasons. And Chris Arant, who had been a guy who was like. When this first happened, like any pros want to talk about this, I'm putting together a story, like, you know, holler at me. And Chris said, there were two people who talked to me who didn't want to be quoted for fear of work. And then none of the other pros ever even replied. You know, I didn't hear back from anyone that I sent inquiries to at all. And at that point, I was like, okay, and that's kind of, it's a little bit like the Marvel thing. I'm like, okay, Jack Kirby's family, you know, they went right out to the wall, out on the limb. They managed to get their money. No one else at Marvel really cares that they have one bathroom. So fuck them. I'll buy Marvel comics. They, they, if it doesn't, if it doesn't mean enough to them. So I kind of had this thing with comiXology. I'm like, okay, this is probably a huge, horrible, you know, quasi horrible situation. But if, you know, either A, the creators the cr- of like the people at image the people at fanographic the people at oni or dark horse who actually own their material if they either do not care enough to stick up for it or alternately are too frightened to do so to to say that this sucks um, for fear of Amazon crushing, snuffing them out or whatever. I don't think
1: it's Amazon they're in fear of it. It's I think the they're worried publishers. about
0: soiling, spoiling the things with their
1: publishers. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't think it's Amazon at all. I think it's the publishers they're worried about. Because let's be honest, I don't think Amazon would give a shit. But see, this is my thing. I
0: don't think Mike Magnolia really gives a shit about Dark Horse. Like he might have certain degrees of loyalty, but I, I can't believe that. I mean, and is probably a, a bad guy to talk about since he's mostly left the industry in a lot of ways. But like I just can't believe that those guys are like, "Oh, I can't say anything because I'll never work again." You know? I can't believe that the Hernandez brothers are like, you know, yeah, we're kind of pissed at Fanographics, but we don't want to say anything because who would publish us. You know? Like that just strikes me as like really weird and wrong. Maybe that's the way that the the industry thinks. It could be a double factor of it where it's like I feel loyalty to my publishers. When I went to them, they said that they, their hands were tied by the non-disclosure agreements and I, I want to believe them. And also there is a thing of if I make a squawk and a fuss, you know, I don't, I don't want, you know, Amazon to like phase out my sales or minimize my, you know, blah, 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 or suddenly I stop searching. Whatever it is. Like who knows? I'm, I don't, I clearly don't know this stuff. I tried in my sort of vague, like, Hocus stick on Twitter kind of way of like, Hey, what, what does people, what do people think about this? And it's clearly a case of once again, with the comic industry, either people don't care or, or they're just cowardly. And so part of me is like, okay, fine. What am I? Then I'm great. Hand me the big bowl of moral compromise. I will eat it because at least I get to get some free, you know, some low cost reading out of this. So,
1: Here's the thing, (laughs) I am actually, I feel the fact that people are not, apparently, again, I'm just extrapolating from what Chris said, Mm -hmm. people are not comfortable in speaking out against this, Mm -hmm. for fear of reprisals, I feel that makes Amazon uh, uh, Unlimited, or whatever it's called, Comixology Unlimited, worse. (laughs) The fact that you were like, well, that's okay then. No, I'm not, it's not, saying, not saying it's really okay. Said, I'm like, just saying I, that at a certain point. Because you signed up for it. Yeah, yeah I, I, I'm, I'm saying that. No, you went from, it. I am not going to sign up for it. Yeah. To, if they're not going to speak out about it, I'm okay with signing up for it. I, for me, the yeah. fact that people are apparently not willing to say anything about it for fear of reprisals Somehow makes it worse. Like, makes me less likely to sign up. You know what?
0: First, well, again. Chris, Chris is like I, you know, there's the two people who didn't, and then there are the people who didn't respond to him at all. So maybe they're, maybe they're great with it. Maybe they're perfectly fine. I don't know, but yeah, I agree. It's kind of bad, but part of me is like, why am I sticking up for people who won't stick up for themselves? If my big concern about it is, is that, is that these people, I'm, I'm just having that weirdo. Maybe it's that weird, like because I'm creeping up on 50, there's that weird switch that turns you into a wacky fiscal conservative or whatever. But, you That's know... That's
1: the bit I'm waiting for, Jeff.
0: Yeah, probably is. But but I just... I do. I just have this weird thing, Graham, of I'm like, I, I can't... I, I, Why it, am it, I missing out? Yeah, uh, there, there's a there's a little bit there. Don't you see? I mean, does that just seem... I guess it's clearly not. But I'm just like, that just seems really <laughs> weird to me. It does. There's a certain point where I'm like... I these people are not going to do anything to help themselves. And so the idea that I'm actually sitting there doing something that is not doing anything, it helps them in no it doesn't help anyone in any conceivable way, you know, because it doesn't matter if it's like if, you know, Jeff Lester of San Francisco, California is not supporting Comixology Unlimited. It's like, you know what, if those people didn't let their books be on the service, that's a much more crippling blow. The fact that they're going to sit there and whatever it is, whether it's indifferent, whether it's rollover, whether it's, you know, someone like Ed Brubaker, who was tweeting about Comicsology Unlimited from the very first day. He was like, you know what? It's a sampler service. It's a sampler service. And what we hope is, is that it will get people to try the other books. And I'm like, OK, fair enough. Like Ed, Ed Brubaker clearly has no problem with it that he states on it. So. Maybe I'm just blowing these things out of proportion because I am. I'm like, if people are being absolutely silent on the situation, you know, it's like, how am I supposed to, how are we supposed to read into that? You know, maybe, maybe the people who made those squawks on day one later on were appeased for whatever reason or in whatever way, you know, like I, I can't be telepathic. My gut instinct is, is that they probably are being, treated poorly, uh, you know, um, as frequent. But, I mean, part of me is like, really, Graham, if you're going to extrapolate out from that, shouldn't we both exit the comics industry if we're going to, like, (laughs) you know, Um, as long as you're...
1: What it really is, honestly, Mm -hmm. it's I'm like, but Jeff, you're the moral one of the two (laughs) of us. No, I know, I know, I'm, I know. I'm like, I'm, prim- the, I'm the cynical one who thinks that we individually have no power, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you're the moral one. I think, I think that's what it is, right? I think, no, I like, but Jeff, no, you're supposed to be in the moral conscience, right? Right. Well,
0: I and I have to say, part of me is like, well, as soon as I did, I'm like, damn it, I want to do this, and of course, in the back of my brain, I'm like, oh, but if I do it for 30 days and then I don't pay it and then I cancel and nobody gets paid, I'm like, Meh, you know. It's it's almost like I was just legally torrenting these things, you know, um, but I, I just have this weirdo feeling, Graham, where I was like, nah, I, I don't know. I feel like at least for now, I'm like probably in I will probably pay on the service and it probably is like you said, It. I, but I was like, OK, well, this will be really fun talking about this, the, my moral feelings and hypocrisy. On this
1: episode, <laughs> but that, but, but what, but what's fascinating to me is you clearly are still troubled by it, mm-hmm. because but, you introduced it as talking about your moral failings, and you're still framing it in that way, and so it's kind of fascinating to me that you are doing it, and you're like, well, I figured if you know if no one else gives a shit, why should I give a shit? But you're clearly still giving a shit. Well, yeah, well, I mean, part of it, part of that is my
0: way of either heading criticism off at the pass and or acknowledging that criticism is and should exist. I mean, I would appreciate the dialogue that will emerge from this, even if it is, you know, everyone calling me a ridiculous hypocrite, which Lord knows I had to go, I went through in, to varying degrees, usually with a lot of jovial mockery from from whatnots about my boycott of Marvel. And, I, and you know, I, I get that. I'm... I'm willing to open myself up to that, but I also feel, I guess what I feel is, is that there is a way in which part of me is, is there's a, there is a little bit of the, I don't know what the fuck I'm supposed to do. Like, you know, part of me is like, I kind of want to do this. No one is telling me that I can't do this. I just have this vague feeling that I shouldn't be doing this, but like,
1: maybe I'm wrong. I'm probably not wrong. This is where my complete apathy saves Mm -hmm. me. (laughs) Because <laughs> I ha- I haven't signed up. Because honestly, I don't give a shit. Because right. I've looked at I've looked at the majority. Like I've everything I've looked at. What is available? Mm-hmm. I have either already read, mm-hmm. can get from the library, right? Well, and this is, this is one of those things. This is one of those I mean? things. I like, I feel I have a, a I feel I have a different way of getting the materials that I want to get. If
2: if
0: and as far as I know, this is because believe me, when people told me about. Hoopla or whatever was launched like day one. I was downloading the app and I was checking it, and maybe things have changed in the last couple of months. But the San Francisco Public Library did not was was only using Hoopla for uh, like audiobooks and I think some movies and TV. But in in case you don't know, Graham, I'm sure you do. Hoopla is is a digital service that allows you know you to check digital. Um, Uh, material out of your library and download it to your device of choice and read and enjoy it. And one of the things when they launched was a big deal of like, we have graphic novels on there. Their big thing is like, yeah, come and read The Walking Dead. I'm like, oh, wow, that's awesome. Went, looked, San Francisco has no access to any of that stuff. Like, so this is, again, one of those things is because digital is my preferred format, it, it is, its I like it more than checking books physical books out of the library. So this is a little more appealing to me if this if the public library had digital downloads and you know <laughs> it's clear I didn't care enough to check right before I signed up for Comixology Unlimited, but I've checked San Francisco Public Library a few
1: times. Sure. Well it I out. mean I like speaking for myself, I can't use Supla because I have a Kindle. Like, Hoopla just isn't supported by Kindle. But again, it's, and which is also frustrating because the, uh, Multnomah also has, uh, digital issues, single issues available. Really? Which also aren't supported by Kindle, which is a kind of shit. But they do. Hmm. Because, uh, we've been through this before, like, there's something weirdly magical about my library system. Yes. Um, But it's, you know, there's, I can get the physical copies easy enough. Because they have a ridiculous selection and because if they don't, there's interlibrary loans and it's very easy to do interlibrary loans here. Right. So I do have a, like I, I looked at the launch selection for, uh, for Comicsology Unlimited. Because when I first heard about it, I thought it was, I thought it was Marvel Unlimited. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I thought it was mm-hmm. like, you can get all the issues. Right. Like you can read all the fucking Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's amazing for five ninety nine. That's incredible. Right. Like I'll sign up just to support that. And right. then I was like, wait, it's the first volume? That's terrible.
0: <laughs> but see, that's my thing is that for five bucks a month or whatever, I don't think that's particularly bad. I mean, at some point, I mean, it's the great. Idea is that you,
1: if you Ooh. haven't read the majority of the stuff, then it's a great deal.
0: Well, it's again, there's part of me that's like what I do like. Like you said, it's it's a great deal if you haven't read the majority of the stuff. But I also do like the idea that it's not going to completely Spotify the royalty structure
1: of comic book writers Com- and artists. Yeah. Exactly. yeah you know, I, mean, it, it, I I can't remember who said it, but I'm fairly sure it was David Steinberger of comiXology who basically said, yeah, this is literally the sampler system. This mm-hmm. is the formalization of the first hit is free. Yeah. Right.
0: Right. And I think, I think that's, I'm, I'm down with it. I think that's actually pretty great. And you see some people like, um, uh, well, maybe not. I, I want to say like someone like Kirkman, it will offer something like three volumes or four volumes of Invincible on here. So it's like, that's that's pretty decent. You know, That's I'm like, that's that's a lot of reading if you're the sort of person who enjoys reading Invincible. You know, that's going to be like 15, 18 issues or something like that. It's, that ain't hey. So, I, you know, I just, there's part of me where I'm like, that part of things actually strikes me as okay. I would be way more skeeved out um, if it was everything. if it was awesome, yeah, because then it's just like, you know,
1: unless it's just strict work for hire work, um, you know, then it's just well that really that, that was creepy. the thing that yeah, that was when you and I when it was first launching, and you were like, Amazon is the devil, and I was like, it's the publishers, but um, <laughs> but it like you know for stuff like you know IDW doing Transformers or or Star Trek or something like that, but mm-hmm. it's like. Sure, I can totally see all of that going on on comicsology. But yeah, when you get to uh, top shelf or image or, mm-hmm. or into graphics as creator works, and the creators didn't know. Right. I remember being like, "That seems odd." Yeah, no, <laughs> like, it does. Like something has broken down in yeah. the in the publishing chain there. Right, that they had no idea. Like they seem to be learning about it after I've learned about it. Right, right. You know, yeah. and that's. Uh, no. But it seems to be I mean it really just seems to be that I presume publishers, even at Image, which is like, we own nothing at all. We're literally just helping people get in stores clearly have some sort of clause they are like, hey, when it comes to digital publication, we can do shit.
0: Yeah. I I I I think although I don't know for sure, I'm I'm going to go out on a limb. And like I said, i honestly feel that the publishers that the language of the NDAs that were being offered by Amazon made the publishers feel that they could not really talk to
1: their the, to their that creative people. He is super strange. <laughs> does it? Uh, I yeah, it really does. Uh, it honestly strikes me more as the publishers just didn't think they had to. To be perfectly blunt.
0: Oh, I think they. I think they had a a loophole. I'm willing to bet that that there's a loophole for digital distribution for promotional purposes. Yeah,
1: you and I, I think I think that's what what they did. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't think there's any comicsology uh, NDA in that says you can't tell your creators what we're doing with their comics. I don't. I refuse to believe that exists. I just think the publishers didn't think they had to.
0: Well, uh, I think I think you're right on the second part, but I also feel that because part of me is, I f- again, I think that left to their own devices, there is part of me that would think that the majority of these guys, not the majority, but certainly some of them would talk to their
1: creators unless they felt that they couldn't. But I could be well, wrong on that, in which case the, the pro- I'm the one the being overly also-
0: optimistic. You
1: know? Yeah. The problem is also we don't know who knew ahead of time and who didn't. All we know is that a lot of image people said I didn't know anything about this.
0: Yes, exactly.
1: The, like the, we don't know. We, we don't know the fanographics people don't, didn't know. We don't know the IDW people didn't know. Well, what, what do you do mean we, by we, the IDW
0: people? Like who's? What like is your? The top, like the top
1: shelf creators.
0: Right, the top shelf creators did not know.
1: I'm willing to believe but that but the fanographic guys did. But know. do we? But do we know that? Like, ha, are there top shelf creators? and fan graphic creators who said publicly, we did not know about this ahead of time. Because no. the only... Saying that were image creators. Yeah. They, right. Exactly. exactly. And that's what I'm saying. We only know what we know. And all we actually know is that image creators said they didn't know ahead of time. Mm-hmm. So both you and I are both like, yeah, it's, it's a shame that publishers didn't tell creators. And we don't know that they didn't tell creators. Right. Right. So again, just, it's... Just didn't tell creators. Right.
0: It just... And that, that is my thing is, is there's a little bit of the, I really want to know so that I can make an informed decision and I don't know and can't make an informed decision. So part of me is like, okay, well, I guess, guess I'm going to give it a try and pretend that I'm doing this in good faith. I'm not, but I'm not really going to know otherwise, you know? Okay. I mean, and, and that's that. I mean, that is the problem. It's like I, I waited a long time for people to say like, yes, this was no, you know, like yeah, they. I was very frustrated, yeah. but they made amends no, or anything.
1: I, 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 I totally know? get what you're saying. Yes, yeah, so, I totally understand what you're saying. So yeah, I'm just a little disappointed <laughs> that you, when forced to go one way or the other, you signed up anyway. <laughs> Today on Graham Destroys Jeff Lester's sequel. Oh, so cool.
0: man. Man.
1: That was a low blow. I'm sorry. That was a low blow. No, no, no. That's totally, totally fine. It was a no, low it, blow. It was a low blow. Like, Jeff even was... as I was saying, I was like, this is going too far. Jeff yeah. is actually getting ahead of that.
0: No, no, I'm fine. Because you show your true colors, Graham, and everyone knows now. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: so, so, yeah. Not internet dick. Just a dick. Just Just a dick.
0: So uh listeners, thank you for listening to this latest edition of Wait versus What. I guess uh <laughs> God, that's a, wait, are you, you wait or what? I I don't I don't know. Well, I that is a good question. That is a good what would you think? I was gonna say that I was wait, but since I stopped waiting, I maybe I've moved into the realm of what.
1: So Is that wait? What's that? Does that mean I'm wait? I would I would say I think I think I think we
0: we'd always assume I'd always assumed that you were what and I was wait.
1: I like how you say that as if you've actually previously personified weight and what before. Oh have you're you? right. Have I you took this all along Anyway, I so uh on that bombshell. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, um, it would be great hey, if we listeners. sat there being
1: the, yes. what nuts. Uh it's late. We're getting dopey. Uh Jeff was at a soiree tonight. Uh, before we record and so we're recording slightly later than normal yes. i i was just at dinner actually at the place that you take you email about jeff oh really oh that's fabulous yes that's great um that means nothing to anyone other than jeff and i but it's, it's funny to it's jeff and i thank you very much for listening as we discombobulate on on your audio playing device we will be back and i'm going to say this and jeff's going to go what but i'll explain it to him in a second we'll be back in two weeks with an episode of Baxter Building, which, Jeff, we will be recording a week from now, but it'll take me longer to edit it for reasons that I will explain to you when we're not recording anymore.
0: Oh, man. Okay, well, that's good to know. That's good to
1: know. So, uh, uh, yeah. We'll be back. Because well, we don't... Yeah, uh, One way or the other, we're having a skipping very close soon because Comic-Con's very soon.
0: Yes, exactly. Exactly. So that's... Because, um, yeah, I thought we, we were going to we record will, this yeah. on 16th and then have it up by we the are. 18th. Right, you're uh, we, like go
1: no. 16th, and we'll be have it up on the 25th. Uh, for reasons called, hey, you know how my house is being moved, Jeff? <laughs> yes, oh yeah, it's that God. weekend. Oh, okay, is that weekend? Holy shit! Okay, well, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. All right. Um. So yes, yeah, so we'll be back in two weeks with the Baxter Building. Yes, uh, where we are doing Fantastic Four episode issues. What is it? 160 through 170. Well, it's 160 through 170. Yeah, I think that's right. Uh, join us. It'll be, uh, it'll be an, an odd selection of issues. Uh, yeah. and I suspect that I may also be talking about the not brand deck issues that I've been reading, uh, in the middle of that Baxter building as well. Because there's some weird crossover going on. <laughs> There genuinely is. There's some really weird crossover going on between the, the those Fantastic Four, and is not Brandeck. Huh. Um, which, I'm just going to throw this in here right now. I was reading the Marvel Masterworks not Eck collection. Oh, I um, see. Gotcha. Which I got from the library, which has a Roy Thomas introduction, in which he reveals that not Eck, despite what it says on the cover, was actually called Eck until issue five. Really? Yeah. It, not Brandeck on the cover. It's because of the tagline. Who says a comic has to be good? Not Brandeck. Ah, uh, I see. Got it. Right. Oh, it was actually called Brandeck until issue five. Wow. Right? Even though the cover always said not Brandeck. It was because of the tagline. Hmm. 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 Secret the Comics, listeners. Wow. This is where I tell you that we are available all across this damn internet. Uh, on waitwatpodcast.com. You will find show notes for this episode, for every Wade Watt and Baxter Building episode. And written posts by Matt Terrell, who is back and writing about the Flintstones. And if really go to WadeWattPodcast.com and read what he says about the Flintstones. Uh, as well as myself and Jeff Lester. Yeah. We're also on Tumblr, com. We are on Twitter, at WadeWattPodcast. Jeff's on Twitter, at LazyBastid at L-A-Z-Y-B-E-S-T-I-D. I am on Twitter, at Graham M, at G-R-A-E-M-E-M. Uh, Matt is on Twitter as well at, at Matt underscore Terrell.
0: Am I correct in saying that? Yeah, I think that I... is. Yep, Matt underscore
1: Terrell. Um, we are also a Patreon supported podcast, which I say as a prompt so that Jeff can say we We
0: are a Patreon supported podcast, uh, which means that we are grateful to all of our listeners for making this uh, possible. But, um, we're also especially super grateful to the kind crew at American Ith Art Studios for their continuing support of this podcast, as well as Empress Audrey, Queen of the Galaxy, uh, for supporting us and also not destroying that galaxy in
1: her mighty paw. So, uh, we are grateful. I just, I just yes. want to interrupt you and say, Jeff, I don't know if you saw, uh, Andy Bear's Twitter this week. Yes. Did you see it? Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: Is is that um, the one where he's like, I I so rarely I, get to the I, end I, of
1: podcasts? I to the end so I forgot that they made my cat the Empress of the Universe. <laughs> I thought that was so great. Ouch, <laughs> uh The Empress of the Galaxy is the cat that belongs to Andy Bear. <laughs> That's yes. cool, listeners. Now you have a big idea. what that is about every single episode that's right because we've Uh,
0: had people who are a little like what is up with
1: that so yeah now you know secrets uh, behind the podcast indeed patreon Patreon listeners uh Mm -hmm. patreon supporters as you say first of all thank you very much as always secondly if you want us to do the Stan soapbox marvel age and Jim shooter thing uh let us know yeah i think i genuinely think it could be fun And it could be a a fun random extra for people who are uh, patrons supporters.
0: Yes. Yes, absolutely.
1: Absolutely. So, uh, yeah. Hmm. Otherwise, we'll be back in two. I think we've said it all, haven't we? Is there anything else? Yeah, we we did. No, no,
0: no. Got it. Two weeks, Baxter building. Then probably the week after that. Another wait, what? Then skip week. Or maybe more skip weeks or less skip weeks. I don't know. It was.
1: Also, uh, between now and when the next episode will come up, Mm-hmm. Because the weird time travel thing, Uh Jeff Lester may be in the same city as me, which yes. never happens. That's right. Okay. Uh It might be the annual wait. What? Mind melding. Yeah, we need
0: to talk about that actually, because I I think that would be that would be a good idea, and not just because there's that little portion on my taxes that turns it into a business trip. But
2: you
1: know, it, it might be good. <laughs> It's all about your fucking taxes, Jeff.
0: I know. That's <laughs> it. Je- Jeff, it's all about my taxes, Lester. That's me. So. That, is,
1: that is your name. It's, <laughs> it's an unusual name. I think your parents were clearly planning ahead for your financial future, but that's that's what they did.
0: Yeah, it's true. It is a constant reminder whenever I have to fill
1: out a form. I'm like, huh? Mom dad. <laughs> all about <the> taxes. <laughs> anyway, on that bombshell thank you very much for listening. This really did go slightly skew-whiff at some point. Uh, But I think that's what makes it weird but we'll be back in two weeks. Bye! Lovely. Just lovely.